Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Look to your to your neighbor, to your friends, um, to to live out the same values as you are. Uh, we we want to make sure that our allies are living out the same values that we push for. Why do you support BDS? Why do you support BDS? Thanks. Senate Democrats insist they are completely united against the boycott Israel movement. Every single Democrat in the Senate opposes uh, the effort to boycott. It's being slaughtered in those areas, and what should we do about it? Well, I think more importantly, I heard from her their concerns uh, about Turkey's threats, uh, knowing that if there is a pullout of U.S. troops overnight and it's too hasty, then the Kurds, who have been our most effective fighting force against ISIS in Syria, will be left to Turkey's slaughter. Uh, she referred to what has already happened in places like Afrin in Syria, to know what would lie ahead uh, if there is not an opportunity for the Kurds in the northern part of Syria to broker some form of security agreement that will allow them to, uh, frankly, protect their homes and protect their families going forward. She also said, we never expected the United States to keep soldiers there forever. They always knew it would be a temporary situation focused on fighting against ISIS. All she's saying is, give us the space to be able to make sure that we are able to secure ourselves uh, before the United States pulls out all of our troops. Did she ask you why you met with Assad? No, she didn't. Uh, but we had a discussion about that, and she recognized why I met with him and agreed with that meeting, because she knows how important it is that we be willing to meet with uh, adversaries or potential adversaries, not just our friends. Do you think Assad is our enemy? we are serious about the pursuit of peace. Do you think Assad is our enemy? Assad is not the enemy of the United States because the United uh, Syria does not pose a direct threat to the United States even though her office tried to deny an interview. It is really important for us to, to get a different lens um, about what peace in that region could look like and, and the kind of uh, difficult uh, conversations we need to have about allies. Do you think that Israel is an ally or do you think it's an adversary? I, Israel is an ally of the United States and I think, uh, you know, as much as you would... Um, look to your to your neighbor, to your friends, um, to to live out the same values as you are. Uh, we we want to make sure that our allies are living out the same values that we push for. Why do you support BDS? Why do you support BDS? Right, thanks. Senate Democrats insist they are completely united against the boycott Israel movement. Every single Democrat in the Senate opposes uh, the effort to boycott Israel. It is one of the world's great democracies. But today, the Senate GOP pushed through legislation empowering states and localities to curb the BDS movement. Some Democrats say it would stifle free speech and accuse the GOP of trying to tie their party to the more strident views of Omar and Tlaib. Republicans who don't really care about the policy, in my view, but care deeply about trying to use Israel uh, and bills about Israel as a mean. And welcome back to Flavor Politic Podcast. It's the 10th of February year of our Lord 2019, and that's, of course, some of the fresh faces, the forward-looking Americans 
Gabbard, and Omar again. Won't answer why she does BDS. Omar is asked if she considers, oh, yeah, she considers Israel an ally of the US, United States. She gives a clunky answer, then ignores the question and moves on, which is a lot of what we're going to see today. For important shit, we're just moving on. If you point out how things are stupid, you're a fucking idiot. You're doing bad journalism. I literally was just reading a tweet about Kristen Gillibrand, another forward-looking American that we need to really consider for to be the next president. And somebody talked about how her eating chicken was a huge decision, whether it's hands or fingers or fork or what have you. And Nate Silver, the guru, goes, this kind of journalism should have gone out two two cycles ago or six cycles or something like that. And I go, you know, um, we had stories about Trump couldn't find the light switch. And that was okay for journalists. That was journalism. That is what journalism is. And he has two scoops of ice cream, but everybody else only gets one. That's what our journalists and see went in the White House. So when you flip it and do a prickly review of what Democrats do, we see the media established close, closes down on itself. And, oh, you're a dickhead. And, you know, none of this today will be the Sunday shows. I put this all together on Thursday and Friday. Um, I just... The show is just insane. It's just insane. We're going to go over the some more responses to the State of the Union. We're going to go over Virginia because it's still percolating and nothing's happened. These people are allowed to go and get away with blackface. And we're, we're going to cover the Green Deal. I know by now anybody listens to a lot of podcasts, you've heard a lot of things on it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it directly. The deal that went out. That they're now saying was an accident that it went out. So, yeah, it's horrible. I was going to play the Sandman video. Um, I'm not going to by now. It's too far down the road. But if you have not seen the lawyer's video, it's 15 minutes. It is just insane. And it pretty much destroys everybody. Um, but it, it's I have so many sound bites today, I can't fit it in. We're going to go into some our usual stuff before we go into Fire for Effect. And, and, and this is... You know, this is where we're at. We have two instances this week alone of Congress people threatening teenagers. The first one, Den Congresswoman threatens teenage conservatives, says she le- should learn her name and be afraid of her. And this is C.J. P- Pearson. Um, he tweeted, AOC has been talking this entire speech and the woman next to her keeps trying to look the other way. So since they weren't really paying attention to the, you know, State of the Union, I guess they were reading their tweets, and this is her reply. Now remember, he's an African-American 16-year-old. He's conservative. She's a person of color. This was her reply, and, and there's been no media coverage of this. Just make sure you understand. No media latched on to this tweet 
from another one of these forward-facing Americans, the fresh class of senators and congresspeople and the women leaders that we've been looking for. Hi, C.J. Pearson. Her name is Nydia M. Velasquez. I'm not the woman sitting next to her, AOC and I, and millions like us are the future of this country. And you're right to be afraid of us, but you should learn my name. Ian Michael Chong, Ian Miles Chong, why are you threatening a child? C.J. Pearson's response, I'm sorry if I bruised your ego, but generally I really don't know who you are. Do less tweeting and more work, Congresswoman. Maybe then more Americans will know your name. Be blessed. That's actually really kind of nice, and it's got 12,000 likes and retweets, and I retweeted it because I was just like, are you kidding me? This is no different than AOC. You shouldn't insult people that have subpoena power. These are the people that we're supposed to be following now. West Virginia woman accused of threatening to kill Trump. Federal grand jury in Wheeling on Tuesday indicted 25-year-old Tyrion Corinne Henthorne of Middleborn. Prosecutors say Henthorne made the threat on Facebook and elsewhere last month. She's going to kill Trump. But that's okay because Jamel Hill jokes about assassinating Trump. Now, for those that have never watched, watched Malcolm X, when Malcolm X was assassinated, and I remembered it, so I knew the quote she used, get your hand out my pocket. It was diversion for the shooter that was going to shoot Malcolm X. I have the soundbite. I'm not going to play it. Just You can see it's all over line now. But that's what she said. Jamel Hill. Nah, she gonna yell, get your hand out my pocket. Alex Griswold. The joke here is that AOC should have participated in the assassination of the president. Stephen Miller. Tweeting learn to code gets your account suspended while this is just good old-fashioned journalism, I guess. She then tried... To backtrack, well, let me be clear. I have often disagreed with many of the president's policies, his behavior, and rhetoric, but I would never call for violence against him or any person. I apologize for breathing life into such an absurd assumption. Now, remember, they wouldn't hire Kevin Williamson, who jokingly said, well, if a woman was going to be arrested because she got a, a, a hung for having an abortion... A long time ago, and he chuckled. Yeah, yeah, hang him. Because it was just an absurd question. He's pro-life. This liberal was going batshit crazy because he was pro-life. And then he had that opinion. You're not supposed to have that opinion. You, you can't believe that in our society. What is wrong with you? You're anti-choice. You're a horrible human being. He was fired from his job after being on the job for, what, two days, three days? I don't remember. When I mean, we covered it on the show. He couldn't defend himself with, I was just joking. But Jamel Hill, I apologize for breathing life in such an absurd assumption. No, it's not an absurd assumption. Every one of you nutbags have said something that's borderline. Bring violence on the president. A quarter of that was called out, rightly so, under Obama. A quarter. I mean, you know, people 
didn't get this froggy under Obama, A, you'd lose your job for being a racist because, you know, he had the cloak of person of color. B, oh, journalism was looking for it. You know, their, their biggest ace in the hole was to prove all of Americans that don't agree with Barack Obama are just racist white people. And that, that's how they rolled. But that's, there we are. Jamel Hill's not front page news. You know, regardless of race, of a conservative commentator said something that close. We had to put up with you lie till this day. Pundits talked about you lie. Will we see something like you lie? And of course the people go, oh no. Democrats are so much better than Republicans. So, yeah, that, that's bullshit. Richard Cohn this week also brings some hate down. Instead of covering blackface, which even SNL did a skit on blackface and said, you know, has anybody in this room done blackface? And they made a, it was really funny because they tried to all go, oh, wait a minute, but if I was dressed like this and da-da-da-da-da, you know, it was just shoe polish. I mean, they made a, it, they made it out to be pretty funny. So everybody's recognized that, you know, Virginia politics is really fucked up. And we'll cover more of it briefly today because it just keeps, it's, just, it's the hits that just keep coming for the Democrats. Even though they, you know, once again, nobody's getting asked about it. There's no punishments for being a fuck up. Instead of doing that, we have a lot of this, but what aboutism, which once again, Say it every podcast. Chris Cuomo had a whole thing about what about ism morally justified to punch a fucking racist. It's, that's a good person. Uh, go to fisticuffs, Antifa. We love you because you're on our team. And Richard Cohn wrote one. We must confront the bigotry of Mike and Karen Pence. This is on February 5th. So, you know, we, we were everybody else talking about Virginia, not this douche. I have a question for Republicans who, along with Democrats, demand the resignation of Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam for his abhorrent photo that appeared on his page in medical school yearbook. If bigotry bigotry is repugnant, why not demand the resignation of Vice President Mike Pence for his ugly views on homosexuality? And while they're at it, why not insist that Pence's wife resign her position at a school that discriminates against gays and lesbians? I guess the answer. Pence and his wife are deeply religious, and their views on homosexuality are based on their religious convictions. To this I say, so what? The Bible was used to justify slavery, and it just devolves from there. This is a huge article. It was authorized by an editorial board. It's good to go. It brings back Matthew fucking Shepard. That's how in-depth this article goes. Matthew Shepard. On, uh, what was the day of this? 2014. October 26, 2014, The Guardian, no conservative rag, printed the truth behind America's most famous gay hate burger. Matthew Shepard's horrific death at the hands of redneck homophobes shocked America and changed its laws. Now a different truth is emerging, but does it matter? Julie Bindle reports. The attack became celeb, a cause celeb. It participated, uh, precipitated a national backlash against hyper-macho culture and tacit tolerance of homophobia. As a result of Matthew's death, many good things have happened for the gay community. The Play the Laramie Project has toured the U.S. and many other countries, telling Matthew's story, encouraging campaigns against bigotry. 
Politicians and celebrities pledged support and funding to combat anti-gay hate crime. Shepard family have become campaigners for gay rights. Judy and Dennis Shepard run the Matthew Shepard Foundation with funds, educational program, and online community for teens to discuss their gayness. There have been numerous documentaries, drama. The men for this death were convicted of first-degree murder and given two life sentences. They were not charged with a hate crime because it wasn't a law. But after a lengthy wrangling in Congress, President Obama finally signed the Shepard Act in 2009, a law in which defines certain attacks motivated by victims identifying as hate crimes. But the Shepard story is not yet finished. A new twist came last year with the publication of another book, this one by investigative journalist Stephen Jimenez, who has spent 13 years interviewing more than 100 people with connections to the case. His conclusion outlined the Book of Matt, hidden truths about the Matthew Shepard law, the murder of Matthew Shepard, is the, that the grotesque murder was not a hate crime, but could instead be blamed on crystal meth, a drug that was flooding Denver and surrounding areas at the time of Matthew's death. This new theory has understandably caused a lot of anger, banning of the book, and this story goes on to show the reporting is horrible in America. It had nothing to do with being gay. They knew he was gay. They were all drug dealers. They thought he had a shipment, so they killed him for the shipment and made it look like a gay killing to cover up their trail. Now, this is the Guardian. They'll cover it. Our country, we ignore it. It is no different than going back to AIDS with the one kid who got a blood transfusion Media ran that motherfucker down America's neck to make them all scared. Even though the facts didn't portray that straight people were getting AIDS, it was still the homosexual community. San Francisco was getting decimated, and still is, by the way, from unprotected gay sex. Truth, not necessary when the agenda is more important, which is a funny thing to talk about. That's why I bring it up in the beginning as we go through all this shit today. My... My truth, as the libs like to say for trans people, gay people, whatever. You got to live your truth. My truth is, what is happening today in media is no different than it's always been. The simple phrase that was parroted by the media and brought out to be truth. That your stats don't have to be right. Facts don't really matter. But morally right is what's important which is shielding AOC in the plastic bubble that John Travolta was in, in Bubble Boy, by the way. That's what it's always been. I mean, the media rolls with that. If it's morally right, and morally being not morals that most of us call morals, because their morals are pretty immoral, if it's a progressive cause, and their eyes, well then fuck facts. We roll with whatever the fuck can push our cause, our agenda. And going to our next subject, Virginia, State of the Union, Green Deal, doesn't matter. All the outrage I'll talk about over the next three hours, that outrage is morally right to them. So they can just go with the non-facts, the untruths. The realities that reporting would be totally different if it was a conservative. The realities that conservatives caught in blackface are saying half the shit we talk about would lose their goddamn jobs. That's not 
of any consequence. The important thing is to remember, morally right, we must push that agenda. Which, immigration, sweet God. That is, wait, that is outrageous. It is, to say that the only gun crime people care about are mass shootings. It is, shootings. because look, you guys never talk about, about it. People it's only about the fact that Ramil Singh, who, who was just arresting someone at a traffic stop, got killed. A lot of people cared about him. And for you to suggest Listen, that all people care about are the mass Matt, shootings it's not is about caring about the victims. So irresponsible I'm talking about politicians and responsibility to do something about it. You no, guys have I'm never done a damn thing until it became a, a, a tool of opportunity to for you to talk to about immigration. The These mass shootings keep happening, and you do nothing except go on that's, TV and say not we're not true. a law away. That and is now you totally sit in front BS. of a room went, of victims' no, parents, you and you talk about done. the wall. That's I an advocated, issue. No, I advocated for the red flag laws in Florida. I worked with Republicans and Democrats on the legislation the wall that passed the in my state. Because the wall will help have fewer violent, illegal immigrants in this country killing people, Chris. That is obvious. And by the way, so that's would not just access my to mental health. So would Diane universal Feinstein. background checks. Oh, now Those are about, much so, more reasonable so measures than a wall. I'm not allowed to talk about illegal immigration at a gun hearing, but now all of a sudden, like, universal access to health care is on the table? You're attacking a little slice of the problem. Name me a mass shooting I that was committed by someone who entered the country it's illegally. It's not just about Mention the mass shootings, one. Chris. No, it's your premise that only the mass shootings ma- matter. I think The only ones you guys will even discuss. All- I discussed three other shootings that I were know, mass shootings. I know, because now they're an item, they're an article of convenience for you now, Matt. Conven- you think it's convenient for us that people are dead at the hands of illegal aliens? Absolutely. You think that we are that craven yes. that we would sit there and hope that people... That is that is so irresponsible. Look, I think it's that you're It's irresponsible of the people who are doing it, because not, you've put a premium on certain lives and not others. That's like saying Democrats want there to be more school shootings so they can have gun control. That would be That's what you guys argument. say all the time. Absolutely the not. The right says say that, that all the time. The Democrats must be so right happy there was another mass shooting. shooting. I see it wow. all the time. I've so never you. heard that. Will you put on your show any member of Congress saying that Democrats want there to be mass shootings? Because I've no, no, never no, no, heard no. a colleague say I'm that. saying people on the right, not elected leaders. I've never had anybody come on well, this I mean, show and say anything favorable about mass shootings. I'm talking about the politics around it that give birth to the kind of cynicism that allows you to go into a hearing about guns and mention the wall. I will do that every single time I get the chance because a wall will mean fewer people will die at the hands of guns and illegal aliens. And Where do you think a wall is on the list of reasonable moves to stop gun violence in this country? It's below red flag law. That's just fucking unbelievable. That's, that's a major network, a major person in a network. That's just horrendous. If somebody on Fox said that, they'd fucking be uh, boycott instantly. Quick hits on this. A new border crisis, 1,809 illegal crossings attempted a day. It's a ticking time bomb. Typhus outbreak in Los Angeles due to heaps of rat-infested trash. And once again, illegals coming in and exposing people to fucking diseases we haven't had for ages. This is not there. We talk about it every podcast. Polio. Uh, measles. I mean, these are things that are, even for these anti-vaxxers, kids just don't get because they're not exposed to them. But we're bringing all these third world people that we got to have or so our country's going to fall apart. And they're illegally coming in or being forced in because of political pressure. And they're just showing up, spreading diseases. You know, it doesn't matter because just like Chris Cuomo said, fuck the murders. People are dying. Who gives a fuck? They're white people. They're red staters. We don't fucking care about those deaths. What we care about is we got to get all these Latinos in there so they can vote and we'll have a supreme power over everything to change America into the less evil version we're looking for. 
Border agent just apprehended convicted child molesters and an MS-13 member at the Texas border where there's no barrier. That's not being reported on CNN. Census Bureau, 75 million more immigrants by 19, or by 2060, 95% of future U.S. growth will be immigrants. This is a liberal article. They're not going to put illegal in front of it, but that's what it's going to be. I mean, we don't even know how many illegal immigrants are in our country. We guessed 10 million, 11 million, 75 million. That's their plan. Open border, no DHS now. That's a call from the left. No ICE. Law enforcement walking around with billy clubs like fucking Britain, but they can't use the billy club. We have a less lethal nerf billy club, I guess. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. But the best thing of everything, and it's not the best thing, it's fucking horrendous, but this, this just sums up. The same time Ocasio calls... To ban ICE, this murder, which was tried to be covered up by the New York City Police, happened on the seven train subway. It went viral. It was huge. And right after it, Alexander Arcasia. One of these days, I hope people realize that the idea that ICE should be scrapped isn't so crazy after all. ICE jails children for non-for-profit detention centers funded by private equity groups. Kids are dying without accountability. If that's not totally broken, I don't know what is. Everybody involved in this. I'm not going to read the article. Everybody involved in this murder you're going to hear after Ocasio talks was illegal had been deported, had been arrested and released in liberal sanctuary city New York on bonds as low as $2,500. $2,500. And they murdered a guy broad fucking daylight in front of everybody. And our media fucking ignored this. You know, this is... A, this is... One of the most urgent moral issues and crises that we have in America right now. This is not a political issue. Children dying in detention centers should not be a partisan concern. It should be a universal concern for every American in the United States. You know, earlier this week, we were here and we were hearing inside that Capitol, the State of the Union, and the president said something. He said and spoke of the idea that he likes, quote unquote, legal immigration. But that is a lie. The president does not like any form of immigration. He has been cutting down and imposing restrictions on legal forms, on the diversity visa lottery, on family reunification, and so on. He's ending TPS. He's ending DACA protections for DREAMers. And in doing so, he is taking away the documented status of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Americans. In doing so, he is criminalizing a population of people in the United States. And now he is acting, asking for, for $5 billion 
to continue to militarize and weaponize a force that has zero accountability, that whose whose uh, rather whose director and whose secretary has no idea when she goes in front of a, of a hearing how many children are dying in her own care under her own watch, and they have the audacity to ask for more money to fund that? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Not only will we not agree to fund that, but we're here to say that an agency like ICE, which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights, does not deserve a dime. That's right. That's they right. do not deserve a dime. Until they can prove that they are honoring human rights, until they can make a good faith effort to expand and embrace immigrants, the immigrants in this nation that have always been a part and have always been and always been a core element of American democracy, until they can prove good faith to an American ideal, they do not deserve any resources for their radical agenda. We have to have respect for children, respect for families, respect for human rights, and respect for the right of human mobility. is just unfucking believable just beyond comprehension that this is allowed that this woman could say this and in the same time she's saying it this happened people saw it it was viral it was horrendous it shot a dude in the fucking face multiple times at a subway but yeah abolish ice Ryan James Gerderski, from January 14th to 18th, ICE government arrested 107 illegal aliens with criminal records in Queens, New York alone. And that's her district. Whole articles, New York City police tried to hide alleged MS-13 gang murder from public scrutiny after subway shooting, but they couldn't anymore. They didn't want it to get out. Broad daylight. Everybody involves illegal. Everybody there is a fucking felon, under charges, out on bail. It is just a nightmare. Didn't lead ABC, NBC, CBS. Chuck Todd's not going to talk about it. CNN, fuck that shit. Th- that, that's our media. That's our country right now. I mean, if I, I will guarantee you if that was a black person... And three white people that were in a gang, not the KKK gang, but just a regular gang, killed a black guy who was part of the gang. Broad daylight, that would have been your evening news for a week and a half. We would have uh, white people are racist, all people. Donald Trump made these three gangbangers kill the black gangbanger. It would be totally played differently. 
They don't want to touch that because it goes against the agenda. And that's not a that's not an aberration. MS-13 gang people are killing people all over the country, raping people, molesting children. Once again, every day in our country, an illegal kills somebody. Every fucking day. Whether it be drunk driving to gang-related. But you bring that up, you're a xenophobe. Right now, somebody out there just shuddered. Oh, he's such a racist. No, I'm not. There's a huge difference between somebody who's applying for citizenship, doing a crime, and somebody who's not even supposed to be here doing a crime. In my mind, it's night and fucking day. You shouldn't even have been here. If our government would do their job, and that is local government, and stop these motherfuckers, that person would still be alive. But in California, those are the type of people that protect Moving on to BuzzFeed, because I couldn't fit it in. and We've got a lot of shit today. Twitter is allowing this altered photo comparing women members of Congress as a KKK member. The platform should not let this happen. Blah, blah, blah. Neon Taser and the world literally brought up nothing in it is hateful imagery. That doesn't... Altering some people in white and putting a white hood on it is not in violation of shit. And they remind them that you guys couldn't do your clan robes and you couldn't do your shit if you actually said that. Tim Pool, fucking hilarious, considering Twitter did nothing after the harassment of Covington kids received based on trash reporting from Blood BuzzFeed, which is totally true. Elizabeth Wellington, have you met Elizabeth Wellington? Right now, we'll cover it when we go into this. Um, when Melania Trump wore white at the RNC, we read articles like this. Melania Trump's RNC fashion, a scary statement. Because she dare wear white. She wore white. Same reporter, who's a White House reporter, by the way. Wellington. Oh, AOC, that white cape is everything. Wow, look at all those white dresses. These women did not come to play. Ted Frank tweeted that. And he goes, they're not even pretending anymore. And they're not. Because they're just not. CNN, Muslim inmate executed in Alabama after legal battle over Iman's presence. This this took a lot of space on liberal side of Twitter. It was pushed out because they didn't want to talk about Virginia because God knows that's just bad for them. Um, this article, once again, would never be written if it was a Baptist. Baptist, but he was a Muslim. And the state law says only the family could be present they let his imam come in to the room, but inside the actual death chamber, they have laws of who can be there. Some states allow clergy. Some states allow family. Alabama doesn't. That's their right. It's states' rights. But the push was that it was racist. Alabama's just a racist fucking state because they wouldn't let an extremist like this guy, who killed a bunch of people, have his imam there. Hmm. And then Ellen Page. She goes along with that Cohen article. Uh, okay, um, but his church is famous, infamously, infamously, sorry, anti-LGBT, so maybe address that too. He was on Colbert, and this is Chris Pratt. 
And Hillsong Church, I guess there was a 15 minute, there's a blog post in 2015. The pastor of church specifically and answered the question about whether or not they accept gay people as part of the congregation and leadership. Hillsong Church welcomes all people but does not affirm all lifestyles, wrote Brian Houston. Put clearly, we do not affirm a gay lifestyle, and because of this, we do not knowingly have actively gay people in position of leadership, either paid or unpaid. I recognize this one statement alone is upsetting to people on both sides of the discussion, which points to the complexity of this issue for churches all over the world. This was huge. They were pushing it all over the place. That Chris Pratt's a piece of shit because he goes to a church that doesn't affirm lifestyle, doesn't preach against it. We're not talking re-education camps that you're trying to pin on Pence. That don't actually happen anymore, but his church did it back in the day. Rich Grinnell chimed in. It's not an anti-gay church. It's my church, my family's church. Ellen Page needs to stop dishonest and verbal hate. She's becoming what she claims to hate. Don't be intolerant. Love trumps hate. Charles Krauthammer said it perfectly. The gay community needs to stop being sore winners. And that's the truth. You won. You got what you want, but this anti-Christian bigotry, wow, it's exactly what you said was horrible. Horrible. Just fucking horrible. And then our last thing um, is going to be a Booker soundbite, but before I can get to that, and this is about killing babies, um, accused murderer spared abortion charge thanks to Cuomo's new law. So right off the bat, the new law has allowed a guy who killed a wife who was pregnant She was white. He was black. He's only getting charged with murder for one. Because now, the way the law is written, you can't charge him for killing the baby because the baby doesn't exist. So now in New York, instead of doing double jeopardy, for like most states, you kill a pregnant mother, you've just killed two people. They're fantastic, forward-facing we care about women law, I guess really doesn't care about female babies because now even murder of said baby is not. So we'll play Booker and we're going into fire for fact. You'll hear NBC asking AOC is socialism winning and supporting gun control because we're going to do the State of the Union first. And Mojo Trump spoos lies. Abram is inspirational. And later term abortions are Trump's fault. Oh, and Nicole Wallace. He needs to do it on his knees. He should do the State of the Union on his knees. But, that, that, you know, that's, that's journalism. In favor of an emerging awareness of the meaning of the, and the scope of liberty, what, in your view, should the Supreme Court have been in the business of upholding uh, 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 older traditions, as you said, of laws that criminalize same-sex relationships? Well, Senator, those were some comments made in the course of an article about dignity and constitutional law. And, and of course, Lawrence is a president of the Supreme Court, which I would, which I would faithfully follow if I were are, are gay relationships, in your opinion, immoral? Um, Senator, um, I'm not sure, you know, the relevance of that to, you know, I mean, my I, I, I think relevant your opinion. If you think African-American relationships are immoral, do you think gay relationships are immoral? Do you personally um, believe that gay relationships? No, relation? I do not. You do not believe that? No. Do you, do you believe they're a sin? Uh, Senator, you know, my, my personal views on any of these subjects are, are, are things I would put to one side and I would faithfully... So you're not willing to say here that whether, what you're, whether you believe it is sinful for a man, uh, two men to be married. You're not, you're not willing to comment on that? Yes, Senator, uh, no. Well, excuse me? 
I'm sorry? I didn't hear your response. My response is that, that these, are, these personal views are ones that I would, I would put to one side. Whatever my personal views are on this subject, I would faithfully follow the precedence of the Supreme Court. In 2000, had, excuse me for interrupting. I have one minute left. In 2013 article, you also criticized the Supreme Court's landmark decision in the United States versus Windsor, Windsor, which struck down the provision of DOMA that defined marriage as only between a man and a woman. You said the court had found, quote, a novel constitutional right of two people's freedom to marry to, in, in, to recognize same-sex marriages. And you said that this, the court's decision amounted to a political choice, not a judicial choice. What, what do you believe the Supreme Court's decision to respect the status of a same-sex marriage? How was that a political choice and not a judicial one? Well, um, Senator, in that, in that particular article, what I was saying is that in the case in Windsor did not recognize um, same-sex marriage as a right. It only recognized um, the, the right to be have your marriage recognized if the state provided such a marriage. Of course, that later step was taken in Obergefell, but, um, but Windsor, um, part of what I was explaining was that it was a rather, it was a rather empty right um, that was in that case. And you know LGBTQ Americans have faced... Uh, a long history of discrimination, long histories of violence, intimidation, bullying. Uh, young LGBTQ youth in America report uh, not going to school because of fear for their own safety at rates that are unconscionable. And a lot of the hard-won provisions that we're talking about became the law of the land very recently. Uh, so why is this administration uh, the, the, the currently trying to do so much to roll back transgender, transgender right protections uh, and, and the like? And, and these matters could very much uh, uh, be brought before you under the regulatory conception that somehow protecting American citizens is burdensome. Um, you know, Senator, I think, you know, civil rights and equal protection of the laws are two essential values in our system. And if I were to be confirmed as a judge, I would, I would firmly uphold that. Have you ever had uh, an LGBTQ uh, law clerk? Um, I've not been a judge, so I don't have any law clerks. I'm uh, sorry, working, someone working for you. Um, I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I don't know the sexual orientation of my, my staff. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I take people as they come, you know, irrespective of their race, ethnicity, sexual orientation. I, I treat people as individuals. Um, those are the values that I grew up with, um, you know, and those are the values I would apply if confirmed. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Cruz. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senate Judiciary Committee should not be a theater for mischaracterizing or twisting nominees' records or views nor should it be an avenue for persecution. You know, we've seen a growing pattern among Senate Democrats of hostility to religious faith. I, I have to say I was deeply troubled a few minutes ago to hear questioning of a nominee asking your personal views on what is sinful. In my view, that has no business in this committee. Article 6 of the Constitution says there should be no religious test for any public office. We have also seen Senate Democrats attack what they've characterized as religious dogma. We've seen Senate Democrats attack nominees for their own personal views on salvation. I don't believe this is a theological court of inquisition. I think the proper avenue for investigation of this committee is a nominee's record. So, Ms. Ryan, let me talk about your record, and let me ask you about your actual record, which is what this committee should be looking at, not our own personal religious views or your religious views, whatever they may be. 
you shared at your confirmation hearing uh, your family story. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was elected to the House from New York last November, just weeks after her 29th birthday. She's a progressive Democrat, a favorite target of conservatives, and already so well-known she can go by just her initials, AOC, and she joins us from Capitol Hill. There was a moment, a couple of moments in the speech, actually, where the president talked about socialism. He started talking about what's happening, of course, in Venezuela, but then he said, here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. You, of course, have identified yourself as a democratic socialist. Do you think he was talking to you? Do you think socialism would be a winning message or a winning position in 2020 for Democrats? Well, I think at the end of the day, it's not about an ism. And I think that that's what the, exactly the president is trying to do. He's trying to mischaracterize, frame, associate, because our policies are so popular. Because we advance and fight for improved and expanded Medicare for all, which has a 70% approval rating in the American public. It's because we believe in at least a $15 minimum wage. It's because we believe in the labor movement. We believe in the unionization of workers. We believe in, uh, we believe in, the, in, a, in an agenda in including a 70% marginal tax rate. Now to the battle over guns in Washington. Tomorrow, the House is set to hold hearings on a bill to require background checks on nearly all gun sales, even private ones. A group supporting the change says the Internet has become a go-to place for people who could never get one in a store. Our Pete Williams has some exclusive video. Inside this suburban Milwaukee spa in 2012, a man opened fire, killing four people, then himself. Somebody's husband came in with a gun. We hear gunshots. He used a gun he bought just the day before from a seller he found online. No background check required. Radcliffe Houghton was legally barred from buying that gun. He was subject to a restraining order for abusing his wife, Zena, who became one of his shooting victims. She was a beautiful person. Her brother, Elvin, a hunter and gun owner, says the law should be changed. Had there been a background check done? Chances are she'd still be with us today. Under current federal law, licensed dealers must do background checks to see if buyers are qualified. But private sellers at gun shows or across the backyard fence do not. Internet sites like armslist.com make it easy to find a nearby seller with more than one million ads posted last year where no background check was required, says pro-gun control group Everytown for Gun Safety. It hired private investigators who shot for guns online, then recorded hidden camera videos when they met the sellers and bought guns with cash. You're really going to like it. I on you, man. It's One seller even joked about no background check. And I'm assuming you haven't beaten your wife lately, <laughs> done any drugs, or a high resident. <laughs> it's a little bit like if you went to the airport today and there were two lines. Uh, one where you had to go through screening by TSA and the other where you could just waltz through. But opponents of universal background checks say they're ineffective. They point to a Justice Department survey of prisoners showing that 90% said they stole their guns or bought them on the black market, not from legitimate sellers like those on websites. And they note that when investigators from the Government Accountability Office responded to online ads by claiming they were not legally qualified to buy a gun, it was no sale in every case. I was saying it off the air, but I'll say it on the air. How can anyone see this as a good speech? How can anyone see this as unifying when he is spewing out lies to the American people? Well, no, there was lying. His data is wrong. His concepts are based on incorrect facts. This is an angry, well, and racist um, platform that has been surrounded by sweet stories 
and World War II veterans, and um, of course, you know, we all hate childhood cancer. Of course, he can smatter it with great stories that his staff helped put in there, but the bottom line is his platform is based on hate and lies. Uh, well, so, so bottom line. Let's... I thought she was terrific. I love yeah. the tone. Uh, she was tough, but she was optimistic. I thought she was inspirational. Uh, I thought she really, um, kind of really, the most important line I thought she delivered was when she really took him to task for not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, this is the problem this president has. He has now lied so often. He lies like other people brush their teeth. That it's very hard for people who are not big Trump loyalists to take him seriously about almost anything. And I thought she was very effective at the way she kind of framed the issue of the president being the liar-in-chief. But I want to ask a question about Stacey Abrams' mm -hmm. um, response. She's the first African-American woman to deliver that response, but she's also someone who isn't holding political office. What do you think Democrats are trying to say by having someone who isn't holding political office um, deliver this, this response? And did they say it? I think what the Democrats were saying is run, Stacey, run for the Senate in 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. I think um, my former colleagues in the, in the Senate are very excited about the idea of her being a candidate against David Perdue in Georgia in 2020. And I think, uh, first of all, she's a, a remarkable communicator. She's incredibly smart and tough. Uh, so she's the kind of candidate that all of us want to see running in, in the Democratic Party. So I think this was a way of saying to Stacey, we want to elevate you to the national stage because we'd love to welcome you into the United States Senate. I also thought it was interesting when he said we will never be socialists. I thought Mike Murphy, hmm. Mike Murphy really uh, had, had great insight when he said the only reason why extreme candidates are being elected right now, the only reason uh, that we are more open to socialist candidates in the country now is because you, because of you, exactly. you are requiring Americans to look for extreme answers and by the way, to the crisis that you, Donald Trump, have created. He, he mentioned uh, uh, the life issue last night and, and abortion, and it was, it was, a, it was a strong 60, 60 seconds, uh, even though it came later in speech, if you were pro-life. But what, what is not said is, is he's responsible for the, that legislation in Virginia and New York because he got those people elected who would pass uh, pro-abortion legislation. And so he, in a sense, he's responsible for it. Right. Um, I, I do want to just say for Democrats, because it hasn't been mentioned much in the mainstream media, and I'm glad you brought up the late-term abortion legislation passed in New York and Virginia. This is such a blind spot mm. for Democrats. Just like uh, NRA, uh, is, uh, NRA actions after uh, Sandy Hook, you know, the video games and, uh, again, refusing to pass any reasonable, rational legislation, uh, painted Republicans as, as extremists. Democrats have a blind spot. They do not understand how out of step with America they are. Not only passing extreme late-term abortion legislation, but then celebrating it. Mm. It's a real blind spot the, for the, Democrats that will 
cost them votes in states they will need in 2020 if they don't recognize it as a national party. The, blind the most recent reliable polling comes from last June from Gallup shows 13% of Americans support late-term abortion. 13%. By the way, that includes only 18% of Democrats. Which to your point. Because this is the most kind of uh, celebrated uh, freshman class in a long time. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of new faces. Um, some people may view this as call and response format, as question time. But um, those of us who are old enough remember you lie and how that made us feel about decorum in our process. Well, I, I look, I think one of the differences is a lot of people feel that the disruption is babies in cages at the border. The disruption is a president that is attacking his own I mean, a lot of people think the disruption has already taken place. So whatever happens right. in the course of giving this speech is deserved and has been earned by the most disruptive president. I agree with everything you said, and, and, and I think that this president walks in there and may as well deliver the speech on his knees, because that is where he is politically. He is so weak that Republicans are now saying, please don't declare a national emergency, because you will be rebuked by, we will vote with the Democrats in opposing your wall. He is so and by the constant scandal, he, he, he you know, his, his, his longtime ally, and you did a great interview with Chris Christie last night, is talking about how the Southern District of New York is basically yeah. a flashing red light now, uh, representing a grave legal threat to this president. I mean, it's spilling out all over. So this disruption has already happened. It's a commander in chief who doesn't listen to his secretary of defense, who doesn't respect the rule of law he's supposed to oversee and preserve, and whose who's abuses to, to it's sort of the innocent. There's going to be a lot of sound bites. It's it's hard not to, guys. I have like 31 sound bites. There's so much shit that went on. I want to make sure as we go into this stuff, and I'm just going to do a brief CNN poll, 59 very positive, 17 somewhat, 23 negative, 76% on the CNN poll or CBS poll said it was positive. But you'll never see it because they still tried to break it down that this was a Republican speech, large articles all over the goddamn place. Um Nancy Pelosi could have brought one of those nice kids from MS-13 as gets just to show their spark of divinity, but they didn't because they brought in Lena Wen, MD, who is the head of PPFA. So she was in there. The Onion, guilt-ridden Stacey Abrams, wondering whether she, when she should tell Democrats that she lost her election because they mocked the fact that they used her. And I was going to play her speech, but I even used Black Enterprise. I, I went to an African-American-centric place to try to get it to see if I can get some comments the amazing thing about that speech is it's not being picked apart because she's black and a woman that that's the reason it had nothing to do with his speech it was done on a green screen everybody made fun of it it's just unbelievable that that literally is just you know we talked about Marco Rubio taking a drink for like a year I mean, that was like a fucking year. The awkward drink. Obama's such a great orator that he made this Latino guy that if he was a Democrat, we'd be touting as the next second coming of Christ. But he's a conservative, so he's a piece of shit. Um, and not a Latino, by the way. You know, he's not a real Latino. He doesn't count. Just like real black people that are Republicans don't count as real black people. They're pieces of shit. Um, yeah, we're not hearing anything. It was the worst fucking speech ever. I watched it. I was just astounded. It had nothing to do. It wasn't a rebuttal. It was the same thing that happened to the Oval Office. The Dems are so fired up to make fun of themselves 
or to not make fun of themselves. Well, that's what they're doing. But they're so fired up to get Trump that they write these speeches and they go into it and, and they don't even know what he's talking about. So how do you not, how do you give a speech that has nothing to do with the subject? And he's got him on that twice now. Um, it's just like a sales pitch. An intersectionality, uh, identity politics sales pitch. That's what they give every time. But it really has nothing to do with what he talked about. Um, but anyway, so they, the Onion puts us out. And this is how crazy the left is. Georgia Democrats replying to, she's still trying to figure out when to tell Georgia Democrats she lost. Hey, the Onion think you actually mean had her election stolen. And then real reporters, not conservative sites, came in. She lost by more than 54,000 votes. You you can't say that's an election theft. That's a lot of votes. Just a huge amount. But I think the best thing that came out of Abrams was this 30-second spot by the RNC. And as those that follow the show, I don't use a lot of RNC shit. I've used maybe three or four. I try to stay away from it. But I remember this extremist. And she went out there and, and presented herself just like Barack Obama did. It's faux. It's not real. It's not who they are. They're, they're really good and adept at just faking the funk. Um, you know... With Trump, that's the only thing I like about the guy, that he doesn't fake the funk. He's an ass 24-7. That's what he does. He's being the president just like he was a candidate. But the left's really big on this morphing into something, uh, when the wind blows, uh, evolving on subjects. I mean, they're just so ingenuous. And it's hard for me to respect that. I would... I would have respected Obama 100 if he would have just said, I, I don't believe in gay marriage. Because he doesn't. I don't think he ever did. Or else that would have been his policy. I mean, the guy went out and did everything else that had nothing to do with fucking what the norm was. His whole platform was, I'm not the norm. But he never went that far until it became politically convenient. Got an election. This is a big thing on my base. I'm just going to roll with that shit. It's the same reason why John Kerry lost. It's the same reason why Hillary Clinton lost. They're just not genuine. They're ingenuous. Um, so the RNC put this out, and, and then we're going to go into the mob and white. This is not a speech of concession. Impeachment is absolutely a lever we need to look at. I do not concede the Supportive of non-citizens, but I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't oppose it. It is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. People shouldn't have to go into agriculture. I like to tell folks I've met me. I'm not overly impressed. So the media went crazy with two things: all the women in white and Pelosi's clap. They wrote articles about this. Pelosi and the white pant suit crew take heat for sitting stone-faced through much of Trump's State of the Union. And then they go on to say, that was great. It is so awesome. They're amazing. You know, fucking Republicans pounce. That's all they kept doing. Just over and over and over and over. Kyla Jones, you know, was is a woman... A look at the crowd when Trump said he wants us to protect the innocent 
in late-term abortion. You see the GOP standing and cheering. You see the Dems all in white. Women should be the people that want to protect babies more than men. Stone-faced, evil, Camelia Harris. Politicians should not tell women what to do with their bodies with all those hands. They like to smack hands. They think it's really fucking cool. Um, It's just... It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I just really... I. I can't understand why that was so cool. But that was the beginning. All right. That we started with the white pantsuits. They're so awesome. We have some standalone criticism that I just got to play. Santorum said something negative because he was the only conservative, used to be conservative on a panel. During that, Speech, and then I kind of separate it, so you might hear some of it, is Van Jones. And I want you to ask, could you ever say this about any Obama speeches, ever? Immigration, he talks about open borders. No Democrat is talking about open borders. He, you know, he, it was a divisive speech in the middle, starting with the military and ending with the military. But let me just say one word about the delivery. He had such, uh, to me, low energy. He's not a great speech giver when he's on a teleprompter. It was, a, it was not well delivered. Stacey Abrams, on the other hand, starting with an anecdote about her family, it was totally, it brought us in immediately. She had energy. She smiled. She, you know, even when delivering some tough stuff, the contrast between these two, I think, was striking. I have to speak next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to agree with Jennifer Grant. What? what? Oh, my God. <laughs> See, the president, this whole whole unity thing is taking hold here. Your career finished. I know. I'm Uh, just thinking, what did I say? Stacey didn't give a great speech. She delivered it well. This was probably the worst delivered speech I've heard Donald Trump give. Hmm. He ran over his lines. He mixed up the lines. He didn't deliver his punch lines. He would deliver a line and go to the next issue. And I don't think he even realized he was moving on to the next right. issue. There wasn't a this, paragraph. They, they, you know, they, they, someone didn't do a good job of breaking his speech so he knew what to do. That, that, he got, right. he, that was a problem. Now, oh. he, what, now, where I don't agree with, with Jennifer is the president, the, I count it. You know how many things the president proposed in domestic policy tonight? Now, Bill Clinton, I would sit through this speech and it'd be an encyclopedia of proposals. Stacey Abrams, in four minutes, proposed 40 things. In an hour and a half, Donald Trump proposed eight mm. domestic policies. Yeah. Eight! The entire yeah. night. But you saw and that- two of those eight were child cancer and AIDS. So, I mean, this was not a big speech. This was not a, we're going to change everything. This was... I've got my targeted thing, Let me tell you what a I couple did. for the base, a couple for the other side, and this is what Let I want to do. My, my heartbreak in, this, in the speech was simply this. Those, those beautiful moments uh, where he recognized Miss Alice Johnson, where he recognized the... You saw a hunger in that crowd. I felt it in myself. People wanted to come together. Uh, you know, people wanted to feel that, that sense of unity. And then he would go right into something else that would just pull people apart. So when I say it's a... There, there's some struggle happening in that building. I don't know if it's happening in his heart, but there's some struggle happening in that building. That's where two complete... You, if you could literally take out those positive inspirational moments and nobody could criticize that speech but the parts of that speech that were divisive were, were so divisive John and, and I so have been, you've been to 18 I've been to 16 
I have sat on I see it very, very differently. I, I, I saw this as a, as a psychotically incoherent speech with cookies and dog poop. He, he tries to put together in the same speech these warm, uh, uh, kind things about hum humanitarianism and caring about children. At the same time, he is demonizing uh, 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 people who are immigrants in a way that was appalling. Demonizing child no, no, trafficking. No, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There were people in that gallery who were children who had been torn away from their mothers at the border. He did not mention them. There were soldiers who were transgender who had been thrown out of the military. He didn't mention them. There, were, there, are, uh, there are people who, he, who, there are veterans, he's talking about veterans. There are veterans who he has thrown out of this country who are dreamers. He did not mention them. And he, got, he didn't say one positive thing. There are, listen, if you want, if you want to talk about the people he could have mentioned. So he's you, not mentioning no, no, is, is a bad speech? And, not and then what he did, he's no, supposed no, to no, mention no, everybody listen, you listen, want him to mention? No, no, listen, when, if you're going to talk about immigration, you're going to talk about undocumented people. Then talk and about make his the, case. No, hold on a second. And talk, then talk about the one who drowned saving people in Houston after the storm. Talk about the, pe the, the, the people who have given their lives to this country. You, uh, you guys see this very differently. You're looking at it from All the right. point of view of... I got to just toss to Wolf because we have to set up the Democrats. This is CNN, the most trusted name in news. That's just fucking horrible. Simultaneously, CNN puts out, before judging late-term abortions, understand what it means. I was initially going to read this article because this is the biggest, most contrived piece of shit I've ever read on the subject. They brought doctors out, Conti and Levy. The questions they asked, what does the phrase late-term abortion mean? They said, well, that's not a real thing. Well, when people speak about abortion later in pregnancy, are they referring to abortion in the third trimester? Oh, well, it's kind of used to, a lot of people try to say 21 weeks. But that, Can you explain why abortions happen? They could not, by the way. It was just a bunch of bullshit that had nothing to do with reality. All they could say is the colloquials, women's health. The health or mental status or health or something. Can any woman simply choose to have an abortion late in her pregnancy? They lie. But say it. Yeah, they can. Many, uh, or they can't, they need a doctor's thing. Uh, many states that oppose gestational age limits for abortion do so with exception. Um, do, do exceptions do enough to alleviate concerns? Are there any other reasons access to abortion concerns you? What do you wish people would think about when discussing this hot button subject? And it was literally a liberal statement. Um, you know, the woman's right to choose. What do you think are the biggest misunderstandings about the topic? Bullshit, all bullshit. They're just all bullshit. Other articles, American women are 50% more likely to die in childbirth than their mothers. And then they go to Rhode Island and they get that governor. Let women abort babies up to birth so they can make ends meet. Then Tommy Christopher... Criticizing the abortion. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies, blah, 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 blah. Christopher article is rife with debatable opinion, but two paragraphs in particular stand out. Since the 1970s, there have been hundreds of acts of violence by members of anti-choice movement. That's a lie. Egged on by the mantra, abortion is murder. This is a broader version of Trump lie, but it's still a lie. The unspoken implication of the phrase that abortion is a philosophical and moral equivalence of murder because the fetus fetus is equivalent to a baby, but the phrase itself is a lie. Abortion is legal and protected by the Constitution. And this article is the most hateful, lie-filled thing, and Dan Abrams ran it. Dan Abrams ran it. 
Just ran it. All day long, it was up on Mediate. And it's full of lies. Just like the CNN article. So we went abortion for a while. Then we came back to Washington Post celebrates Nancy Pelosi's exquisite rudeness to Trump. And here are the Pelosi soundbites. I want to congratulate your party tonight because Nancy Pelosi last night showed the power. This is almost Machiavellian genius. The slight movement of the hand, like an orchestra, just no, no, no embarrassments here. What did you think of that? First of all, as you well know, I'm on Team Pelosi. She is not only smart, but she understands her caucus and the eye contact. You know, I'm, I'm an old athlete. You know, yeah. when a coach looked well, at her, she was like you, Robert you know, De Niro with that thing. She was I mean, eyeballing she everybody. Eye <laughs> and then when she would look at her notes, and you were like, uh oh, because God. Tonight, put your hands together for Jeannie and the Nancy Pelosi moment that has everybody talking. She was the show behind the show, nodding no when the president declared the State of the Union is strong. Muttering commentary to herself, smiling at colleagues, urging new female members of Congress to rise, rolling her eyes. Ridiculous partisan investigations. But Nancy Pelosi became the queen of condescending applause after President Trump proposed rejecting the politics of revenge and embracing the common good. She clapped madly, their eyes met. Pelosi was like, you're never getting your wall. Comedian Patton Oswalt congratulated Speaker Pelosi for inventing the you clap. Come on, y'all. It launched a million gifts. The internet was rocked with memes. The WAPO, the exquisite shade of Nancy Pelosi's applause, exquisite rudeness. I was trying to come up with a neat way of saying John Boehner looks like a constipated apricot, but I couldn't. These are just the highlights in the article. And uh, it, it goes, a clap that somehow managed to be profanity. Her lips mostly remained either pursed or puckered, as if the entire speech was a bit of a gristle that might be endured before it could be discreetly spit in a napkin. Distinct vibe of parent applauding a kindergartner for trying his shoes when the only goal is to quickly scoot him out the door. Queen of condescending applause, Nancy Pelosi clapped at Trump, and the internet lost it. Shannon Watts, who knew clapping could convey rage? Congrats, Pelosi, for inventing the fuck you clap, Patton Osborne, or Oswald. Brian Behar, the clap that says, none of us is a prison bitch, and the other is Nancy, one of us is a prison bitch, and the other one is Nancy fucking Pelosi. Pastor Mark Burns, did Nancy Pelosi just clap at the president's face? Yeah, he did. That's what we all saw. But not to the left of the media. It was awesome to be disrespectful in that manner to the president of the United States. It won't be in 2020 when a Dem wins, but right now it's still cool. That's, That's what we do. Praying Medic. Arizona Democrat Senator Kristen Sinema being told, watch your ass by fellow Dem for applauding American success under Trump. She didn't know what to do. There were so many of them, literally, that there's fucking pictures of AOC standing up and going, do we stand? They're that pathetic. They can't think for themselves. 
They're being told by their leaders how to take a shit. And I'm sure the GOP does it, but you don't see it graphically. Sit down. Don't stand. Elbowing. You don't you don't see that. You just don't. One Democrat from New Mexico actually made humor of it, and that's how we'll segue into our fact check soundbite. I'm Michelle Lujan Grisham, New Mexico's 49th in employment and 50th for schools. We got to bust through some walls to make changes. I'll create public and private partnerships to rebuild our infrastructure. We need more apprenticeships and skills training. And we have billions in the permanent fund to invest in schools and small businesses. And here's what I think of Trump's wall. So does that mean that the Trump administration has been good for the rights of legal immigrants? John Avalon with a very important reality check. What he said last night was so dramatically different, a departure from the policy of his own administration. So let's dig into that, Polly. Look, one important part of the president's speech last night wasn't actually supposed to be part of the speech. I want people to come into our country in the largest numbers ever, but they have to come in legally. So that middle part, largest numbers ever, was an ad lib. And it's one place where the president probably shouldn't have stuck to the script. Now, we all know the Trump administration is obsessed with illegal immigration. But behind the scenes, it's also in a quiet war with legal immigration. Trump has blasted what he calls chained migration, whereby family members follow each other legally into the country, despite the fact that the first lady's family is here on that plan. Now, Trump's made it harder to get certain visas, even simple visitor visas, which drop them off more than 10% under Trump, according to Politico. He's curtailed visas for same-sex partners of foreign diplomats. He's dramatically reduced the number of refugees legally seeking asylum in our country and is even trying to deport some Vietnamese war refugees who've been here for decades. So what's behind all this? Well, in former Trump staffer Cliff Sims' new book, Team of Vipers, he quotes senior aide Stephen Miller saying, quote, I would be happy if not a single refugee foot ever again touched American soil. So when the president says he wants more people to come into our country in the largest numbers ever, don't believe the hype. And then there's this little irony. While the president was blasting socialism, he denounced, quote, government coercion, domination, and control. So it's worth noting that the president plans to use eminent domain to take land from private citizens to build parts of his border wall. Last time I checked, nothing says socialism quite like seizing private property for a government goal. And that's your reality check. The words he says, the words he means to say, and then what those words actually mean. All right, John Avalon, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pope Francis acknowledging for the first time that... The fact-checking was so goddamn petty. Somebody floated a, a fake statement that or like a script and said chemo was spelled out k-e-e-m-o they have to spell it out because he's so stupid remember that for the green deal just remember this little segment that you know when you fake things that's wrong unless you're talking about trump washington post one in three women and sexually assaulted there's less to the number that meets the eye that's 31%, but he said one in three, so that's wrong. You can't say that. It's 
The nine worst fact check. New York Times caught fake newsing. The New York Times labels as false Trump's statement about illegal border crossings being an urgent national crisis, but it's only after a paragraph of pedantic blah, blah, blah that the far-left Times finally admits a record number of families are trying to cross the border. 5.3 million jobs. That's false. It's 4.9. New York Times did it again. Although border apprehensions plundered by 91% after the fence was completed in San Diego, the Times labeled it as misleading when Trump said a border barrier in San Diego almost completely ended illegal crossings. Com- almost completely is not 91% because they can twist it to make it be what they want to do. President Trump said the United States was making it clear to China that it can no longer steal jobs. This is true, was the only truth one they gave. Uh, Trump said, we have been fighting in the Middle East for 19 years. It's 18 years and a few, so many months. Washington nitpicks the one in three. Politico reassures us only 31% of migrants are raped. NPR is spending our tax dollars well. Bad orange man speak fact. We also have more women serving in Congress. Their fact check was, well, that's because of the Democrats. That was a fact check. It's more like an opinion check, but okay. Uh, Jews don't believe in heaven was a big one. CNN fact checks will numb you with the picking of nits. Fact check treats so tedious, so pedantic, that it made a trip to the DMV feel like a carnival ride. Trump said if I had not been elected president, we'd be in a war in North Korea. They fact-checked that. They fact-checked all the same shit the other people did. They just kept fact-checking. Washington Post lies about New York abortion bill, saying that it's not true. They really can't rip them out of the womb. They were just semantics. Casey Hunt. The agenda I will lay out this evening is not a Republican agenda or a Democrat she said, using the construction Democrat instead of Democratic is inherently partisan. He was supposed to use Democratic. That was her fact check. Rich Graham. And that's why the press did it and why the press taught him to do it. Because they hate us and want us dead. Wanting us dead is not a side. It's true. I don't get why some folks are upset about the women dressed in white. I like Trump is quite used to looking out in a rally audience and seeing a sea of white staring back at him. Anna Navarro. That was on this thread. That's why I put it there. Yeah, that's okay. The most fractured fact checks. Uh, let's try to dig through these. Uh, Hearsay did a bunch of stupid shit. Kvetching over the dumbest things. Uh, the more woman... Uh, usually underrepresented on Capitol Hill, less than one in four member in Congress is a woman. So they they argued that that's not something to talk about now because we've improved, but we haven't proved enough. It was just uh, I, Jesus Christ! I, I not a single network fact checked Stacey Abrams. Nobody did, other than AP. Nobody did a fact check on Stacey Abrams. I just want that to hit home. Yet we fact checked every Republican's response to Obama. And we fact checked Obama, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't semantics. Partially true is the worst they're ever going to give Obama because he's God. 
New York Times did a whole article. Gay incense Trump would graphically talk about abortion in a dark speech. Their whole thing was he shouldn't have talked about abortion because, once again, they don't want it out there. But the worst was this jackass on MSDNC. <laughs> what did you make of the State of the Union? Well, you know, I mean, it was a real whiplash experience because there were the moments when he was appealing for unity, you know, right. saying he wanted to take a bipartisan approach, and then there were the moments when he was lying. Um, and, and essentially baiting Democrats with those like descriptions of abortion laws that were yes. entirely exaggerated. And then there was the whole border, you know, which he, you would think after the longest shutdown in federal history, he might temper his language a little bit, he might retreat, but it was as blood soaked and lawless and, you know, fantastical in terms of its relation to the truth as ever. Along with it, they did multiple arguments, art, articles that was Trump likely to play on white evangelical fears at prayer breakfast. And then when he didn't do that, Karen Pence and National Prayer Breakfast left us cry homophobia. It's disturbing that they allowed them to speak and be honored at a prayer breakfast. That was mixed in with the fact-checking. And then we segue to Virginia. Going to play FNC calling out the double standard. MSDNC is just politics. CNN is the Dems' fault for calling out cons. So it's really not that big of a deal. Uh, the racist photo obviously capped a rough week last week for Governor Northam following his comments about a late-term abortion bill that many critics said could lead to infanticide. But while a single yearbook photo caused an uproar across obviously many media platforms, his controversial comments about potentially killing a baby that was just delivered were not covered with such fear. Those words drew plenty of coverage in the next 48 hours on conservative sites and on Fox News. Conversation is, should the child live or die? This is a fully formed human being in the womb. Everybody, no protection. But there was no coverage on ABC, NBC, and MSNBC. CNN gave the story three minutes, and the CBS Evening News led its piece with Northam's second-day defense of his remarks and how Republicans pounced. Virginia's governor today responded to critics after a move by Democrats to ease restrictions on late-term abortions ignited an intense debate. Only an innocuous line from Northam's radio interview was aired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. The Virginia measure, which has been tabled in committee, is similar to one recently signed into law by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in that it allows late-term abortions if the health of the mother or the viability of the fetus are said to be in question. The problem with the governor, I think a lot of people criticize, is that he wasn't contrite. And I, when I waited, because if the governor... And that, was the, fact, that was people's issue with Brett Kavanaugh in his hearing. Yes, and, and Brett Kavanaugh ultimately got uh, his, own, his own Supreme Court, so, so, so he didn't pay the ultimate price for this. But here's what I don't know how to reconcile. What if the lieutenant governor didn't do it? Well, or, that's or the even, Brett Kavanaugh issue as well. Well, yeah, well, same thing as Brett Kavanaugh. Well, let's back up, because I think we're conflating things we shouldn't. Brett Kavanaugh had several problems. There was an allegation, then there was clear behavior around copious drinking and additional allegations, and we did not have a full hearing and accounting, even though we had a process for it. In this case, the issue is we don't have a clear process because the process of the election itself and the election has happened. So the question becomes a purely political one. But I don't think we should sit here and suggest that there was just just 
no, we literally swept under the rug the opportunity to understand better what a series of women were saying about Brett Kavanaugh, and then we had his, the behavior that he exhibited in the confirmation hearing itself, which was essentially behavior that even conservative judges were saying was inappropriate behavior to suggest you had the, the temperament to sit on the bench. Sexual assault is also a crime, and blackface is awful, but not a crime. It, this is really complicated. Tolu Olorunipa, the White House correspondent for the Washington Post, and John Avalon, good morning, everyone. Tolu, to you. You know, there is all of the specifics about what's going on in Virginia and then the national implications for the party, right? And your read this morning is the Democrats are now learning the perils of zero tolerance. That's exactly right. The, the Democrats that have that zero po to tolerance policy that they uh, use towards uh, people who are accused of whether it's a sexual misconduct or uh, racist incidents, uh, they talked about it in, in discussing President Trump and his history. Now they're realizing that it, in order to maintain a certain level of credibility, they have to keep that, to that zero tolerance policy when uh, these allegations affect other Democrats, and they're finding how difficult that might be now that it's ensnared the top three Democrats in Virginia and it's made it very difficult for them to explain their past positions on things like uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice, who many Democrats called for to resign or to step aside during his nomination when, the, the, when various allegations came out against him and, and trying to figure out whether or not they should take that same standard to the lieutenant governor now, now that there is a detailed account uh, of uh, alleged sexual misconduct on his behalf back in 2004. So Democrats uh, stand... Uh, the risk of being seen as hypocrites if they don't keep that same standard and it's a very difficult standard to keep because neither party has a monopoly on racism or sexual misconduct and it's become difficult for a number of top democrats to figure out how to maneuver in this environment without calling for the resignation mm -hmm. of all top three democrats in virginia tolu complicating things and really troubling this morning to learn is is that a congressman th that the congressman was told and his staff acknowledges and there are emails about this about the allegations of, of, you know, sexual assault and misconduct uh, by Dr. Tyson, her allegations a year ago. Yeah, one of the d defenses that the lieutenant governor has uh, has put out there is that this is only coming out now that he's about to potentially be elevated to the governor position. But uh, this allegation was actually circulated uh, more than a year ago not only to the congressmen, but uh, to some reporters. And it, it's clear that this is not just something that's coming out only because he's potentially about to be elevated. So that sort of strikes at one of the mm -hmm. defenses that uh, the lieutenant governor has tried to use. But just also and the responsibility of this member of Congress and his team. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And we see uh, his team trying to clean it up now, saying he wasn't aware of the full scope of the allegations. But uh, it, there is a certain responsibility. I mean, look, this is now an on-the-record accusation with not contemporaneous corroboration, but corroboration before the current political crisis here. Right. If, if she did go forward, if Dr. Tyson went to Bobby Scott, the congressman there, a year ago before this issue all came to a head. That really is interesting there. And, and Jackie, again, if Democrats were to hold themselves to the standard that they laid out before, mm -hmm. there just isn't much question about what they would do. I mean, they have set the president with Al Franken at yes. first and with how they questioned Brett Kavanaugh at, at uh -huh. first. I mean, they have set that bar Hi, national Democrats have. Um, talking about uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax, it, it is, it, it, it has been, uh, the silence has, has been deafening from national Democrats. Um, also, it's putting to the test the, uh, the activist class. 
who were very vocal during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, most of them have been very quiet as these allegations, um, as they've surfaced. And then yesterday when you had um, that agonizing um, uh, account of, of um, what allegedly happened in that hotel room in Boston um, from the woman who is accusing Fairfax. So it, it really is putting them in uh, a tough position. And they're going to have to come forward and say something, particularly uh, someone like uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who was very vocal when it came to Al Franken mm -hmm. and, some of these other, um, and some of these other issues um, over the last year. So Virginia, we're still in the same thing, except... More fallout has happened. The AG admits he wore blackface. Another politician admits a senator that he did the yearbook. And multiple people have come out against Fairfax. In some parts of the internet, five. The media is only talking about two. New York Times attempts to sanitize the Virginia AG blackface scandal and calls it dark makeup. I, I can't make that up. That's the title. Virginia Attorney General Mark Herring says he dressed up in a wig and brown makeup as part of a costume while a university student. That was February 6, 2019. That's the heading of the new information. Sad Jones, that the New York Times won't even use blackface in its headline is offensive damning and yet again underscores that protecting whiteness is an institutional standard she's a race hustler Jess Duick, New York Times Virginia AG amidst excessive contouring Sylvia Kingsworth, dark makeup Margaret Noriega, Noriega I hope that this headline use of dark makeup instead of blackface gets the reader center treatment Jamil Smith, if I read this headline I would not know whether Mark Herring admitted to wearing blackface or wearing eyeliner. I won't go so far as to describe motivations to the editor to approve this headline, but it does not properly inform the readers, and it should be changed. I, People said I would give anything just to hear an article about the room that decided it. By the end of the day, they changed it. But NewsGuard the new social media Microsoft, defends the New York Times who stealth edited their title. They didn't announce it. People who read it and walked away would never know they went back and said blackface. They would think he just wore dark makeup. Yeah. Okay. That That's okay. That would happen under a Republican, right? Right? No. ABC News, Virginia Democratic Congressman Bobby Scott was made aware of the allegations of sexual assault against Fairfax a year ago. And then this happened. Of course, they had high hopes for the future of Justin Fairfax. Uh, and the whole story that he's involved in uh, is really wrenching. The lieutenant general here in Virginia is also facing allegations of a sexual nature. He has vehemently denied those. Uh, we should note that the lieutenant governor there has vehemently denied the sexual assault. Yep. He just put out a new statement, though, saying that you need to treat all accusers with dignity and respect. 
that he went into an expletive-laden rant. And then you have the lieutenant governor who is accused. He changed his statement. He did lash out. He was quite emotional the other day. I wish her no harm or humiliation, nor do I seek to denigrate her or diminish her voice. But I cannot agree with a description of events that I know is not true. Uh, that is a much more calmer place than the lieutenant governor was 72 hours or so ago. Absolutely, and it's also at odds from what the report, some of the reporting is about how he has responded to this privately, and, it's, and it speaks to what the reaction to that may have been. Virtually all Virginia Democrats called on Northam to resign, but now the man in line to replace him, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, now himself fending off a new allegation of sexual assault. Dr. Vanessa Tyson, a political science professor at Scripps College, accuses Fairfax of forcing her to perform oral sex in a hotel room at the 2004 Democratic National Convention, writing, what began as consensual kissing quickly turned into a sexual assault. Fairfax has called the encounter consensual and initially denounced the accusations as a smear campaign. You know, there's a possibility that I might be elevated uh, to the governorship. It's at that point. Uh, that they come out with the attacks and the smears. But today he released a statement saying, I wish her no harm or humiliation, but I cannot agree with the description of events that I know is not true. It's all left Virginia Democrats in disarray. Then there's Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, who's facing an allegation of sexual assault during the Democratic National Convention in 2004. Today, his accuser, Vanessa Tyson, put out a lengthy statement saying she's a Democrat and is sharing her story with tremendous anguish. She says she had gone to Fairfax's hotel room to retrieve documents and that after consensual kissing, Mr. Fairfax forced me to perform oral sex on him. Fairfax has repeatedly denied the allegation and responded today, saying, reading Dr. Tyson's account is painful. I have never done anything like what she suggests. Those scandals sending shockwaves as the woman accusing Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax of sexual assault today broke her silence. Dr. Vanessa Tyson, a college professor, saying in a statement that a 2004 encounter with Fairfax, which she says started as consensual kissing, turned into a sexual assault. Tyson says Fairfax has tried to brand me as a liar to a national audience in service to his political ambitions. Fairfax releasing a statement of his own, saying... I cannot agree with the description of events that I know is not. Now, if you were on Twitter, you know what you didn't hear. Fuck that bitch. Nets ignore Fairfax bashing his rape accuser. Only because of Twitter. Finally, they started reporting it. Casey Hunt. Lieutenant Governor Fairfax, Chief of Staff and Policy Director, acknowledged to NBC the Lieutenant Governor used the F word to refer to the situation, but disputes that he used the B word at all or used any heated language directed towards Vanessa Tyson. Now, I, once again, if this was a conservative, you would have heard it in the read, just like shithole that was said 200 times on CNN alone. And do you think, well, he said he didn't say it, so we're going to take him at his word. Do you think that would really happen? Article literally came out after that. Is Republican oppo research really this awful, or is the news media not doing its job? The entire article is, why didn't the Republicans find this and use this? And but Trump. But Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump, Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah. Folks, I'm not even shocked by this. 
when Elizabeth Warren can run for president, she lied about her ethnicity. And as we'll find in a bit, the only big scandal is that, well, there's going to be more documents that say that she was an American Indian. Um, at least that's what she told a reporter. So, you know, when they come up, that's okay. I mean, we already know she's not, but she is so smart. She's such a wonk. I mean, she's the wonkiest of the wonks. And it's so great to see an intelligent woman go out there and run for president because she's so smart. I mean, that's what we need is smart, wonky, wonkness with wonk, wonk. That's allowed. It's totally fucking allowed. Now, why is CNN providing cover for radical late-term abortion practices? In a piece published in their CNN health section, that's rich, Arthur Jessica Ravitz interviews two OBGYNs, one of whom describes pro-lifers as anti-abortion extremists. Ravitz's conclusion in the end is, quote, misleading hypotheticals show disregard and contempt for people who've had an abortion later in pregnancy. People who've had abortions deserve empathy and understanding, not judgment. Well, since CNN wasn't interested in an opposing view here, we thought we'd get one one from Dr. Omar Hamada in OBGYN himself. Um, Omar, uh, Dr. Jennifer Conti is quoted in the CNN piece and says that it's nonsensical to legislate late-term abortions against them because no one arrives at the decision easily. Does that hold water with you? Well, certainly no one arrives at a decision easily, but it being nonsensical to legislate later-term abortions is crazy because what we're doing is actually trying to protect the lives of both the moms and the babies. Um, And what they're trying to do really is just redefine the terms and play with the language. So they're saying that we are um, anti-abortion extremists, but they're also calling us forced birthers. Um, And whatever languaging they're trying to use to take the focus off of what's really happening, I really don't care what what they call it. I had to play that because that's the biggest part about this that you never heard. We have been talking about blackface, covering for blackface, covering for Me Too, covering, covering, covering. Nobody seems to care. These crazy motherfuckers talked about late-term abortion. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody. And you know why? Emily List. Avoid the issue or engage costly. A staffer at Emily List said the organization has weighed in on some sexual assault allegations like those against Brett Kavanaugh, but the people involved were in a position to affect women's abortion rights, which is their central policy concern. Otherwise, they try to keep their focus on only electing Democratic women. So that's why they're not talking about anything there. Emily's list is with the Democrats. Okay, we're just going to do this. We'll cover for these guys because they're allies. Because once again, nothing's happened. The only thing that has come out over the last couple days, Northam advisors have assigned the governor homework. He's begun to read Alex Haley's Roots and the Case for Reparations, the seminal essay by Tanishi Coates. Oh, and a tweet by Al Green. When we allow bigotry to infect the body politic with impunity at the highest level, other levels will expect impunity for their bigotry. Northam's refusal to resign for his bigotry is a symptom. Failure to act on Trump's bigotry 
is the problem impeach Trump. But that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at. So, we've done nothing. More damning information has come out, and he's just going to read race hustler articles, and that's going to fix it all. Oh, and by the way, hidden in all this, because everybody's had to answer now, and they don't answer, I could play you a Waters soundbite. I could play you a Harris soundbite where there needs to be an investigation, whereas under, you know, Kavanaugh, there was no investigation. It was he cannot be a Supreme Court nominee. Harris literally said it in a very small tone. It was just investigate. We just need to investigate. But hidden in all of it, Waters has been charged by her ethics committee. It's a House Ethics Committee. Run by Democrats now. For three violations. Ethics violations. Nobody in the media has touched it. None of it. It's okay. The Democrats. And, and then once again, that's why I don't vote for Democrats. I don't think Republicans are better. But because of the media, they have to punish people. They don't have a choice. I mean, what the fuck happened to that guy right uh, most recently? King. Gone. Off committees. He is no he will not win his reelection. He's gone. But we now have four people implicated in Virginia politics. The media is not pushing for them to fucking resign. And within it, it's me too. And a state that wants to have live birth abortion. It's just a fucking farce. So, music break. We'll come into our hate tweets. Oh, a lot of sound bites. Good stuff.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Hey, Tweet of the Day! And joining me now is Republican Congressman Peter King of New York. He is a member of the Homeland Security and Financial Services Committee. Uh, Congressman, great to see you. Another okay. probe into the president uh, and another probe that's hanging over his State of the Union. What do you think? I think it's another probe. I mean, the fact is uh, the only uh, probe that I really know very much about is the one that was begun two and a half years ago by the FBI and the carried on by Mueller as far as Russian collusion. And that's shown absolutely nothing. So uh, I assume this. Well, they've had assume, a lot of people plead guilty. I don't think it's shown absolutely nothing. No, they've uh, also uh, had some convictions. No, absolutely nothing as far as collusion or involving the president. 
nothing showing any collusion at all between the Trump campaign and Putin or the Russians, and that was the purpose of why it was started back in August or September of 2018 by Comey and then carried on by Mueller. So, so far, that's been zero as far as collusion. That's sort of the story that none of your Would you expect them to, to come out with that, though, before the investigation is over? Are you oh, saying so just because they haven't announced it already, that means that there can't possibly be that conclusion coming in the future? Well, anything is possible. But again, I sat through, uh, again, on the Intelligence Committee, almost all of the key witnesses, hours and hours and hours of sworn testimony. And I've seen nothing at all that leads at all in any way to President Trump or candidate Trump at that time. And as far as this investigation, the only individual in the Southern District that seems to be zeroing in on is a person who's a big contributor to Barack Obama as well. Now listen, and also, and if the tour guides are Rick Gates and Michael Cohen, both of them are people who pleaded, pleaded guilty and are trying to make a deal for themselves. So again, I'm not, anything can happen. I don't want to prejudge. It but, sounds like clearly, it, but it sounds like you are prejudging. It sounds like you've decided that you're not going to believe anything that comes out of this investigation. You just, you just no, implied that, that uh, Cohen no, and Gates no. are liars and they're, Katie, they're trying to cooperate. No, no, I saw that is the, obviously you know they're liars because they, they pleaded. That doesn't mean they're lying now. But I'm saying if that's all you're relying on, then you have to see where it goes. Now, I've been open, unlike many of the people who prejudge the president, I'm not prejudging this. I'm saying absolutely nothing has been shown yet, nothing at all indicating criminal activity by the president or people around him. And so let's see where it goes. But I think people, it just shows the uh, appetite of the media. They hear an investigation and they presume someone is guilty. Unless, of course, it's someone who is on the left wing, if they're being investigated, and then we have to talk about due process and civil rights and justice and justice for all. I, I think you're mischaracterizing any no. presumption that's being made here. We're reporting oh, the I, facts no, no, of the investigation. Hey, you're, you're so excited over this. You talk about all the all the potential, all the all that could be there, and so far nothing's come out. And maybe you it will. It's, Who it's, knows? it's another it's another investigation. Add to right. the many investigations into the president, and he's the president and, of the United States, shown which the warrants. I'm not going to argue about. I'm not going to argue about our news coverage because it warrants it warrants news coverage because he's the president of the United no, States. I'm well, I want to talk about. I want to talk about tonight. Control your excitement. Try to try to control your excitement a bit. Then you'll be more. I'm I'm, I'm I'm perfectly in control, Congressman. Let's talk about. Know. Let's talk about tonight. Uh, the State sure. of the Union. The, if the president declares a national emergency along the southern border, will you support him? I don't want to prejudge. I want these negotiations to work. I was against. How is that a prejudge? He's he's been. It's been threatened over and over again. A lot of your colleagues are. Are coming the reason out I'm on saying one side is, or the other. I, I, I want to let the negotiations go. The 50, I was opposed to shutdown in the first place. I've been opposed to it all along. I'm against all shutdowns, whether they're called by Chuck Schumer, Ted Cruz, or President Trump. I think they're wrong. And I don't want to be, the reason I'm not trying to prejudge it, I don't want to be creating another issue prior to the 15th. At that time, it may be appropriate to have a uh, declaration of emergency. In any event, I would oppose the government shutdown. How are negotiations going on immigration? I think it's still, believe it or not, even though there's only 10 days to go, it still may be too early. I think there are a number of Democrats who would vote. I know a number of I've spoken to. You know, they've all supported a border wall in the past. They would probably support a limited version of a border wall now or a border barrier, whatever you want to call it. But also, I think it's important that on the Dreamers and on the TPS that that also be put on the table and that more progress be made on that. I think there's all the elements are here for a deal. If both sides want to be honest and negotiate, there's enough here for a deal to avoid a shutdown. Do you want the president to get involved, or do you want to keep this in Congress? Well, the president ultimately will have to get involved because he's the one who's going to have to sign off on it, because otherwise he can veto it. 
So I think it's important for the president to uh, at least be sending signals, maybe back channel signals, as to what he's looking for and what he would accept. But again, I think it's uh, you have some very seasoned negotiators in that room. And I think they may be among themselves be able to work what they think would be acceptable and then have you know the Republicans go to the president and say, listen, we can pass this. We think it's important. We think it gives you enough of what you're looking for. And let's go with it. And that's what I'd be hoping for. Well, do you think the president is helpful or hurtful when it comes to negotiations like this? Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. And again, it's, uh, I mean, uh, we have to wait and see. I, I don't want to be, again, there's enough going on in that room among with the 17 and 19 people, whatever it is. And some of them I know very well on both sides. I think it's very good negotiators. Most want to avoid the government shutdown, especially among the Republicans and the Democrats as well. So I, I, I wouldn't let them do their work and not be taking shots from the outside. New York Republican Congressman Peter King. Congressman, always good to see you. Thank Thanks you, for coming on. Thank you. Bye now. Oprah Winfrey bringing together the worlds of Hollywood and politics at a big event last night. And despite big name stars like Bradley Cooper and Michael B. Jordan, it's her conversation with rising political star Beto O'Rourke that's generating all this buzz. Asking the Democratic star about his political ambitions. Amid speculation, he might run for president in 2020. If I can play some role in helping the country to do that. Okay. By God, I'm going to do it. Okay. By God, when are you going to know the answer? <laughs> yeah. O'Rourke made national headlines when he nearly unseated Republican Senator Ted Cruz in a contentious 2018 midterm race in deep red Texas. His record-breaking fundraising and grassroots support, leading some to call him the new Obama. I mean, he lost the race in Texas. Okay, now, Craig. But he lost, but did he say anything last night about, you know, what he might have learned from that experience that would help him if he decides to run for president? He did, and he did lose, but what was interesting is that he talked about how that same authenticity we were just describing yeah, yeah. really helped him. Senator Elizabeth Warren is apologizing for listing her race as American Indian on a 1986 registration card for the State Bar of Texas. This disclosure marks the latest twist in the controversy that has surrounded her and her claims to Native American ancestry. Last year, Warren sparked backlash after publicly releasing test results that showed trace amounts of Native American DNA. That was uh, Katie Turr orgasming on another dead-end Russia probe that's done nothing. NBC jerking off over Beto. And Oprah, NBC failing to call out Warren's lies, Omar again, oh wait, I already played that soundbite, then we have this New York Times editor saying some fucking horrible shit, and a, another Warren soundbite that, once again, how does she get away with this? The thing most of all, rather than political bias, that worries me is the news media is so reactive yeah. to President Trump and hit all of his tweets. Does that get, help him? Does that help him in a way? Well, it helps him because, you know, after 20 seasons of The Apprentice, he knows how to manipulate yeah. the news media. He is the master. So, it, so why are they playing into that? Because, A, he's the president, and the norms of journalism is yeah. are that you cover what the president says. And he gives you so, news every well, 10 seconds. Well, it's hard to avoid because it's fake news. Yes, in the so middle of you're the not country. saying that the New York Times blurs the front page with the opinion page, are you? No, oh, but I uh -huh. think, blurs, no. But I, I find in 
a certain kind of story that's usually labeled news analysis, that some of the conclusions that are written border on opinion. In, in 2014, I believe, they fired you, yes. right? Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just asking as a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Do you have an axe to grind? No. Um, I grew up here in New York, and my parents had two subscriptions to the New York Times. So, so you're I have idolized all? the paper, and I have no axe to grind. And at the end of Merchants of Truth, I say that Arthur Sulzberger Jr., who is the publisher who canned mm -hmm. me, yeah. that he's kind of the hero of the story because he never slashed the newsroom. He never took down the number of journalists mm -hmm. the way so many other papers did. And, and he kept quality journalism but he alive. You. Was it Salzburg? He called me up to his office and said, I am making a change and you're out. I'm going to stay focused. I'm so, not running for president. So no pledge, though, on the six years? I am not running for president. <laughs> Duly noted. Finally, I want to get you to respond to the Berkshire Eagle uh, editorial. I know you've been asked about it before, but I'll go ahead and put it up for viewers. Warren must resolve debate on heritage, and they write this about you. Were you to test positive, they want you to take a DNA test. Were you to test positive for Native American DNA, it would permanently resolve the issue while possibly shutting down President Trump. Should the test come up negative, it would be an opportunity for the senator to perform an act rarely seen among politicians, an admission of her error, and a full-throated apology to Native American tribes and anyone else offended by her spurious claim. What do you make of that idea? So let me tell you the story of my family. Uh, my mother and daddy were born and raised in Oklahoma. My daddy first saw my mother when they were both teenagers. He fell in love with this tall, quiet girl who played the piano, head over heels. But his family was bitterly opposed to their relationship because she was part Native American. They eventually eloped. They survived the Great mm -hmm. Depression, the Dust Bowl. A lot of knocks. They raised my three brothers, all of whom headed off to the military, and me. And they fought, they loved each other, and most of all, they hung together for 63 years. And that's the story that my brothers and I all learned from our mom and our dad, from our grandparents, right. from all of our aunts and uncles. It's a part of me. And nobody's going to take that part of no, me I, away. I, I understand Not that. Ever. I, look, I, I had a great-grandmother who swore my family was related to Robert E. Lee. And then I had a grandmother who did a whole bunch of genealogy research, and it turned out we were related to some Lees, just not Robert E. Lee. What's wrong with knowing? Look, I do know. I know who I am. And never used it for anything, never got any benefit from it anywhere. But what I did a couple of weeks ago is I went to talk to the leaders of the Native tribes across the country. And I talked about the fact that President uh, Trump can't seem to hear my name without calling me, trying to throw a racial slur into it, can't seem to make it through a ceremony honoring Native American war heroes without trying to make something else out of it. And I made a promise to them. I said, every time this happens, every time somebody wants to talk about my family, I'm going to do my best to lift up your story, and I'm going to do that right now. And that is just to point out to everybody who's listening to this program, more than half of all Native women 
have been the victims of sexual violence. That is the highest of any group anywhere in America. And most natives who are attacked are attacked by non-natives. And the United States government does nothing about that. That is just fundamentally wrong. This is a group that is being injured every single day. We need to bring some attention to it, and we need to put some resources on it, right. and we need to make a change. Senator Warren, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for coming on and sharing okay. your views. I really appreciate it. You bet. All right. That was basically the New York Times ex-editor saying it's just an anti-Trump paper. And, of course, oh, got an axe to grind. And that's meet the press. By this time, we've already known pretty much that her ethnicity is in doubt. That is from March 2018. And that's her talking about it. Yet again, she's allowed this week more documents may come out. Because she lied on a lot of things. Brian Fallon, this is a 2016 email conversation all over again. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not even the same thing. This is a person who went her whole life until she needed it, not claiming her ethnicity was American Indian until she could get into Harvard. That's the timeline, folks. When she started college, she didn't say she was American Indian. When she went to Harvard Law, she did, because that would give her a cool teaching gig. At the time that she did this, and this is all from... Um, damn it, I don't remember his name, but he's from Boston, and he's the one that research broke this, was called a racist, is now totally vindicated. She used it because they needed American Indian law professors. You know, all these schools are required to have quotas. And she used it. And then she used it for political, because then she could say she's a person of color, not a bony white gal from Oklahoma. It is the most glaring thing that's different between a Republican and a Democrat in our country because of our media. She is still running for president. Nobody on the right could ever do that. There's just no way. The media would bury you. Kevin Lewis brings our next hate tweet. Kellyanne Conway says she was assaulted at Uncle Julio Restaurant in Bethesda, Maryland. The suspect, 63-year-old Mary Inhabitant of Chevy Chase, Maryland, allegedly shook Conway's shoulder and then screamed and gestured for 8 to 10 minutes. At one point shouting, shame on you. The alleged incident happened October 14th last year. You get the police waiting until November 27th to file charges of second-degree assault. NBC News, Senior White House Advisor Kellyanne Conway says she was assaulted in a Maryland restaurant. We've grand juried this. There, there are charges pending. The person's been charged. That's how they covered it. The entire thread was good for that lady. I wish she would have fucked her up. Not a violation of, you know, Twitter term of service. You can do that. Jamie Weinstein, though if it's true, as Christy says, that Steve Schmidt interviewed for campaign manager for Trump and Corey after Corey left. That's quite an indictment. 
and it's true. Steve Schmidt, the biggest Trump hater, they bring him on an MSDNC as a conservative who spends his whole time talking about Trump and conservatives as a piece of shit so he can get airtime on MSDNC. He interviewed to be the campaign manager and was rejected because he failed with McCain. That's not front page. John Levine, Joy Behar admitted during a taping of The View in 2016 to dressing as a beautiful African woman at a Halloween party when she was 29, which involved makeup that was a little bit darker than my skin. The show even ran an image of that photo. My son sent me something, Zach in Tennessee. It's a meme. It shows every major left comedian, most notably Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, in blackface. And that's why none of those shows have touched Virginia, because they can't. If they do, they got to admit they did it themselves. Sarah Silverman dressed in blackface. It's okay, though. If you're an ally, you can do whatever the fuck you want, I guess. Joe Concha, CNN, to host Town Hall for Howard Schultz in Texas next week. Poppy Harlow will moderate. Soledad and Brian, in case you're wondering, CNN is going to fall over the cells to elevate a famous billionaire in this election cycle. Yet again, a town hall for a guy who hasn't announced he's running. A town hall on the impact of redlining. A town hall on income inequality. A town hall on suffering that con- continues in Puerto Rico. On and on and Nate Silver and everybody lost their fucking minds. Because they really fear that guy. Because he's not an extremist. Two quick chirons. Booker called out by conservatives. Conservatives rip Booker of law clerk question to Rayo. And I haven't even covered it on the show, but she's a person of color who's getting nominated for something, and the treatment she has gotten is just fucking insane. It is just insane. Just insane. But, you know, it's okay. Steve Calise was Steve Scalise was basically, because of the Democrats, not allowed to talk about on a committee this week because, you know, he is a, should be the poster child for gun control, but he's the opposite. So I'm going to read what they didn't let him say. I survived a shooting as just solidified my support for the Second Amendment. House Judiciary Democrats wouldn't let me share my experience at their gun control hearing today. Liberals try to silence conservatives, but it won't work. Read my testimony. My name is Steve Scalise. I'm the congressman from Louisiana's 1st District. I'm the Republican whip. I'm also a target of gun violence. Many of you may be familiar with the events of June 14, 2017, around 7 a.m. at the last morning baseball practice, blah, 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 blah. And he goes through and he talks about all this shit and the loopholes that allowed this person to be able to get something, which really wasn't the case. He legally pursued his guns, blah, 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 blah. H.R. 9 is bad. Or excuse me, H.R. 8. Veronica Garcia Huff. Eight years. That's how long you've had to deal with guns. Eight damn years. You were shot in 2017 and still nothing. Have a seat and keep quiet. Nasty woman and about a hundred other libs. Shame it didn't work out. 
It's okay. You can say that. Some funny hate tweets. Another Democrat got in trouble this week. Washington Post. Florida politician allegedly made a habit of licking men's faces. She's now resigned. She's a Democrat. City Council person. That wasn't a reading error. She licked people's faces. She would walk up to men and lick their face. Democrats aren't right, yo. Here's Casey Cho for the BuzzFeed. For the reminder that you don't get to celebrate Lunar New Year unless you're literally from a country that does it if you are invited by someone who is from a country that does. Because she was pissed that people were talking about the Lunar New Year. I just had to put it in the hate tweets because that's why BuzzFeed's failing. To our tweets of the day, Elizabeth Warren would bring a whole new meaning to Commander-in-Chief by Rob Lowe. He's subsequently been forced to remove it because everybody who's a liberal in Hollywood attacked him mercilessly. So, yeah. And to highlight our Green Deal section, which is next, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, who I like to call AOC. Yesterday, I visited a school assembly with teens and queens. One of them asked, what can we do to combat climate change? Two responses. Skip disposable razors and switch to safety razors. Give your tummy a break. Skip meat and dairy for a meal. Easiest is breakfast. I do banana and peanut butter. Once again, if Republicans said peanut butter, the world would lose it. There are schools that ban you from bringing peanut butter cookies because everybody's allergic. The world decided to show her, except bananas are not a domestic crop. And a lot of people say not to eat bananas because you have to export them. Including facts. Uh, Below are the top 15 suppliers for the American import of the highest dollar worth of bananas. Within parentheses is the percentage change of value for each supplying country since. And we bring in $1.1 billion to the bananas. It's just fucking horrible. It's just horrible. It's actually a book titled How Bar Are Bananas? How Bad Are Bananas? I think it was meant. It says if you're worried about your carbon footprint like AOCs, you should switch to domestic crops like oranges. Just oranges would be so much better. Then she went on other tips. Start incorporating thrift, consignment, and secondhand clothes in your wardrobe. Host a clothing swap with friends. Walk, bike, and use public transit more often. Bring your own bag, coffee mug. It's okay if you forget. One times a week is still a win. Yeah. Yeah. Other one that's really close to this is there was a huge amount of stuff that went out. It's hard to tell what's true and not true. I know the Green Deal that I'm going to cover has the creator, which is her chief of staff. So what I will be reading was the actual document which no longer exists because it's embarrassing on levels that we'll go over in a few seconds. People were floating documents that came from Green Deal shit. I mean, this is the lunatics that come up with this green energy shit. And one of them was a man saving water. So what we should do as men is pee in a milk jug, let the sun distill it for at least six hours, And that's what you make coffee with. Because you'd save money because to make water is so much energy for water purification plants and our water water treatment facilities. 
And that was all over the internet. And the media tried to use that as an example that Republicans are pieces of shit. The problem is, when I researched it, that's actually from a book from these lunatics. So I put it in our tweet of the day because that is how crazy these people are. Yeah, I'm going to pee in a bucket and use it for my coffee because I want to save the planet. The funniest thing about it, it's a plastic milk jug. I thought that was bad. Is it a, how, how do you envision financing this? Is it all through government? Is it just, how, how are you envisioning financing it that it doesn't end up with the rank and file tax? So there's a couple of things. One is that uh, I think one one way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, what we're trying to do is, well, obviously it's not that because what we're trying to do is release the investments from the federal government to mobilize those resources across the country. As you know, Congresswoman, one reason that people who are politically conservative are skeptical of efforts to combat climate change Mm -hmm. is that it sounds to them like it requires massive government intervention, Mm -hmm. which they just Mm -hmm. don't like. Are you prepared to put on the table that Yes, actually, they're right. What this requires is massive government intervention. It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. Why? Because we have tried their approach for 40 years. For 40 years, we tried to let the private sector take care of it. They said, we got this. We can do this. The the forces of the market are going to force us to innovate, except for the fact that there's a little thing in economics called externalities. And what that means is that a corporation can dump pollution in the river and they don't have to pay for it and taxpayers have to pay for cleaning up our air, cleaning up our water, and saving the planet. And so we've already been paying the costs except we have not been getting any of the benefit. And so what we're here to say is that government is not just for cleaning up other people's mess, but it's also for building solutions in places where the private sector will not. Today is also the day that we choose to assert ourselves as a global leader in transitioning to 100% renewable energy and charting that path. That means that we are not going to peg ourselves by the lowest uh, by by the lowest standards of other nations. It doesn't mean that we're going to say, "What about them? They're not doing it. What about them? They're not doing it. Why should we?" We should do it because we should lead. We should do it because that is what this nation is about. We should do it because we are a country founded on ideals of a culture that is innovative, that that cares for our brothers and sisters across this country. We should do it because we are an example to the world. Well, you got to think about it in terms of the OG New Deal, the original, and FDR, back when... uh... Ohio looked like Venezuela does today, when it was 80% unemployment, mm. and, the, and society was literally coming apart. Uh, part of his idea was not just let's kick start the economy and get us out of the Great Depression, but let's keep society from pulling apart. So let's have big jobs. Let's, do, let's, let's stay busy things. together. Yeah. Let's pay two million guys to go plant trees out west. Let's build dams and roads and all of that. And that also gave us labor unions and unemployment insurance and Social Security, the things that changed the way people think about government. This is the modern version of that. Let's do all of those things again, only smarter and non-polluting. And because the way that Dust Bowl and things happened and, and touched off parts of the Great Depression, the way the stock market crashed, that's coming. All the scientists are saying when 
They stop insuring houses and condos on Miami Beach because of sea level rise. Mm. That'll create an economic dust bowl. It'll create climate migrants into Wisconsin. You think you're safe in the Great Lakes? Well, wait till you get a bunch of new neighbors who just left Texas, you know? And so this idea is very aspirational. It's a non-binding resolution. It's just saying we agree to agree. Spent two years trying to figure out all the bills. There'll be, this will be dozens of bills now that Democrats, or they hope to have more power in 2020, uh, to play itself legislatively. But today is sort of, as Ed Markey uh, invoked, JFK. When he says we're going to the moon at the end of this decade, he didn't say how we were going to do it. He just says we're going to do it. We'll figure it out. And it was wildly unpopular all during the 60s. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't, and those poll numbers didn't jump until we landed on the moon. Mm. You know, and now we look back and say, wow, that was a really, NASA was a really good idea. So if we say, oh my gosh, how is this even attainable? Yeah. It's so huge. Your point being, at the end of the day, it worked. But what's fascinating about watching those two, as I was joking about, if you Please had to make a... tell everyone what you said. If you had to make a movie of this moment, you cast Bradley Cooper as Ed Markey, the old climate warrior... And Lady Gaga is this new freshman. This is Allie and Jackson, yeah. climate change. And, and, their, <laughs> and their, love is, their love story is about the planet and the idea that we could lose it if we don't do some big, bold thing right now. Start with, um, first of all, the thesis there, that this, some of these tensions, whether it's what's happening in Virginia, the, the sort of the zero tolerance mindset versus others that are going... Let's let's hit the brake pedal. What we're seeing with the back and forth, frankly, with with what you're trying to do with climate change. How much of this is you think is generational or how much of it is ideological? Well, I think it's both. I don't think that uh, young people and that the energy around climate change, the energy around social justice, the energy around economic justice is just a young people thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also believe that like all big movement moments in American history, young people are, are, are putting the gas in the tank to really accelerate our, our timelines on reaching our goals. We just got in the 2018 climate report from NASA and NOAA. It was delayed because of the government shutdown. This is not some fly-by-night organization or conspiracy theory. This is the government telling you, telling us it's the fourth warmest year globally on record the five warmest years have been the last five years and this is not from some conspiracy group or anything like this this is from nasa and NOAA. you know these are government organizations tasked with keeping track of this i think if we all disappeared like this the earth would go back and just be fine you yeah. know whatever cycle it's on whatever if it's warm if it's cold i think it just goes back to yeah. doing its thing but we all live here you've got to work pretty hard at this point to deny this is happening yes. when you have but NASA, there are those who will. and there are there are and there are people who say on a cold day like we had last week we're at 77 exactly. below a minute so where's global warming yeah. well as you both point out it's climate change yes. it's not global yeah. warming exactly. Social media. Yeah. And climate. okay facts up front this was an accident that's what they're saying it was never supposed to be released that's their whole thing but you heard the media fawning and Chuck Todd asking questions. Not hard ones. He didn't read it because it didn't matter. It's just so important. Just so important. So I want to play, I called the time, the, the file, 12 hours. You're going to hear her tell a reporter in the morning something and Chuck Todd something else. And then you're going to hear Todd with no journalistic integrity, talk about how awesome it is she's doing this. 
Are you prepared to put on the table that, yes, actually they're right, what this requires is massive government intervention? It does. It does. Yeah, I have no problem saying that. Uh, I think one one way that the right does try to mischaracterize uh, what we're doing as though it's like some kind of massive government takeover. Mm -hmm. Good evening, Chuck. I want to hold you over because we were all watching your interview. It was very oh, interesting. I want to play yeah, can, for your analysis. Yeah. Uh, one part that jumped out to us. Let's all take a look. Okay. The president spent a lot of time on the using the S word, mm, oh, socialism yeah. and socialist. Um, it was a not too subtle, um, I don't know whether it's a dig or a enhancement. I'll, I'll let you decide. I was flattered. You have said you are a democratic socialist. Mm -hmm. um, can you be a democratic socialist and a capitalist? Well, I think it depends on your interpretation. So there are some democratic socialists that would say absolutely not. There are other people that are democratic socialists that would say I think it's possible. What are you? I think it's possible. She thinks it's possible. What struck out? To you, what stuck out to you about I, that? I would just say the fact that she accepted the premise of the question and answered it and sort of thought it out. I mean this, Ari. Yeah. What was refreshing is a politician, she could have given a very talking pointy answer, um, but she, you could clear she's thought about this. She could have easily said, look, everybody wants to do name calling and tried to avoid it. I give her credit for not avoiding it. She believes in it. And the one thing I took away here from the entire interview is... I, look, she's not. She isn't going to be easily placated. I think you know. There's no doubt she may learn the hard way the, of the ways of Washington, but she isn't going to be easily persuaded to go along and get along. And I look at it and say, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you get things done in Capitol Hill in the long run. She has an interesting long term for somebody that's always portrayed as being impatient. I actually think she has an impressive long view of hmm. what she thinks her role is now. I found it smart that she views the Green New Deal as a organizing tool. She's not saying they're passing legislation tomorrow, right. which is a way of at least setting expectations more realistically. And what's clear to me is that she's going to have an impact on this presidential primary campaign mm. in the presidential race. Now, what that is, is up to her. You know, in many ways, she can have as much power. She, she can have a lot of power if she chooses to, to use it. I don't, I don't think she's decided yet, but the fact that she's already got them all trying to get on her Green New Deal tells you they care what she thinks. Right. They want to be on her on the green side, the good side. It's an AOC right. primary, at least a pre-primary. Uh, very interesting interview, Chuck. Thanks for sticking uh, around extra. So my question is, is it a government takeover? Because your document says it is. And why would Chuck Todd buy off on this? Before it was even done... Right-wing commentators continue obsessively reporting on AOC and claiming she reflects the consensus of Democrats. Nancy Pelosi said, go fuck yourself. She's not doing it. But only Nancy Pelosi. Every major candidate, I'm not going to read you the tweets, it's all there, has gotten behind this dream, this, this bill. And before I read it, or this deal, or whatever the fuck they're calling it, document, framework, this is what Cory Booker said. And so we have to deal with this. There is a, our planet is in peril, and we need to be bold. It's one of the reasons why I signed on to the resolution, I co-sponsored the resolution for the Green New Deal. And there's a lot of people now that are blowing back on the Green New Deal. They're like, oh, it's impractical. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's all of this. If we used to govern our dreams that way, we would have never gone to the moon. God, that's impractical. You see that ball in the sky? That's impractical. 
We, we, we are a nation that has done impossible things before. And my parents taught me, reach for the, reach for the moon. Reach for the stars. Even if you come up short, at least you're going to be hovering above the ground. You'll be soaring, young man. And so we need to be bold again in America. We need to have dreams that other people say are impossible. We need to push the bounds of human potential. Because that is our history. And when the planet has been in peril in the past, who came forward to save Earth from the scourge of, of Nazi and totalitarian regimes? We came forward. Who came forward to save the planet from, or, or, or continents from financial ruin? We came forward with the Marshall Plan. Our history is standing up and saying, look, humanity is in crisis. America is going to be light and the hope. The moon and Nazis? Are there Nazis on the moon? I'm just asking for a friend. Good God. So this was launched February 7th, 8.30 a.m. If you didn't jump on it, you didn't get it. This is the actual document. It's not a doctor document. This is what they put out. I even have the little clubs. They use clubs for uh, paragraph markers. We'll begin working immediately on Green Deal, new green, no, green New Deal bills to put the nuts and bolts on the plan described in the resolution. Important to say someone else can't claim this mantle. This is a massive transformation of our society with clear goals and timeline. But she says it's not. The Green New Deal resolution, a 10-year plan to mobilize every aspect of American society at a scale not even since World War II to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions and creative economic prosperity for all. It will move America to 100% clean and renewable energy. That means no fossil fuels. You just lost your car. Create millions of families supporting wage union jobs. Union jobs. Everybody's a union. She's a socialist. Ensure a just transition for all community workers to ensure economic security for people and communities that have historically relied on fossil fuel industries. That's We're going to take away all your jobs. Ensure justice and equality for frontline communities by prioritizing investment, training, climate, and community resiliencies, economic, and environmental benefits in their communities. Build an FDR second bill of rights by guaranteeing a job with a family-sustaining wage, family and medical leave, vacations and retirement, high-quality education, including higher education and trade schools, clean air and water, and access to nature, healthy food, healthy, high-quality care, safe, affordable, adequate housing, economic, environmental, free of monopolies, economic security for all who are unable and unwilling to work. They're going to give a job to everybody, even if you're unwilling, so you'll be forced, I guess, to work. No time to waste. IPCC reports that global emissions must be cut by 40 to 60 by 2030. U.S. is 20% of total emissions. We must get to zero by 2030. Americans love a challenge. This is our moonshot. See, that's where he got it from. When JFK said we go to, by the end of the decade, people said impossible. If Eisenhower wanted to build the interstate highway, if Eisenhower wanted to build the interstate highway system today, people would ask how we pay for it. That is word for word. That's how fucked up this document was. When FDR called America to build 885,000 planes to fight World War II, every business leader, CEO, and general laughed. 
at him at the time. The U.S. produced 3,000 planes in the last year. By the end of the war, we produced 300,000 planes. That's what we're capable of. We have real leadership. This is a massive investment in our economy and society, not expenditure. We invest 40%, 50% of GDP into our economy during World War II and created the greatest middle class. The interstate highway system has returned more than $6 in economic productivity for every $1 it costs. This is massively expanding existing and building new industries at a rapid pace, growing our economy. So she's running around saying every dollar we spend will return six. That's just not economics. Nobody believes that, but that's what she's saying. It has momentum. 92% of Democrats and 64% of Republicans support the Green Deal. Not true. Nearly every major Democratic president. That's true. 45 House reps of 330-plus groups backed the original resolution. Over 300 local and state politicians. New resolution has 20 co-sponsors, about 30 groups. Fact. Why 100% clean and renewable and not just 100% renewable? Are you saying we won't transition off fossil fuels? Yes. We are calling for a full transition of fossil fuels and zero greenhouse gases. Anyone who has read the resolution sees that we spell this out through a plan that calls for eliminating greenhouse gas emissions from every sector of the economy. Simply banning fossil fuels immediately won't build the new economy to replace it. This is a plan to build that new economy and spells out how to do it technically. We do this through a huge mobilization to create the renewable energy economy as fast as possible. We set a goal for net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years because we aren't sure that we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. But we think we can wrap up renewable manufacturing and power reproduction, retrofit every building in America, build the smart grid, overhaul the transportation, agriculture, plant lots of trees, and restore our ecosystem to get a net zero. Word for word. Retrofit every building. 500 million buildings. Stop farting cows. Get rid of air travel. Is nuclear part of the deal? The new Green Deal is a massive investment in renewable energy produce, production and would not include creating nuclear plants. It's unclear if we'd be able to decommission every nuclear plant in 10 years, but the plan is to transition off nuclear. No one has put the full 10-year plan together yet, and it's poss- it's, it is possible to get the fully 100% renewable in 10 years. We will do that. Does this include a carbon tax? Green Deal is a massive investment in production of renewable energy industries and infrastructures. We cannot simply tax gas and expect workers to figure out another way to get to work unless we're first created a better, more affordable option. So we're not ruling out a carbon tax, but a carbon tax would be a tiny part of the Green Deal that face gigantic expansion or productive economy and would have to be preceded by first creating the solutions necessary so the workers and working class communities are not affected. While a carbon tax may be a part of the New Green Deal, it misses the point and would be off the table unless we create clean, affordable option first. It does include cap and trade. The New Deal is about creating the renewable energy, blah, blah, blah. Cap and trade assumes the existing market will solve this problem for us, and that's simply not true. While cap and trade may be a tiny part of the large Green New Deal, the plan to mobilize our economy and cap and trade legislation will pale in comparison to the size of mobilization. It must You hear it? They don't have any answers. Does a GND ban all new fossil fuel infrastructures or nuclear power plants? Yeah, pretty much. Are you for CCUS? We believe the right way to capture carbon is to plant trees and restore a natural ecosystem. CCUS technology to date has not proven effective. How will you pay for it? 
the same way you paid for the New Deal, the 2008 bank bailouts, and extended quantitative easing programs. Same way we paid for World War II and all our current wars. The Federal Reserve can extend credit to power these projects and investment, and new public banks can be created to extend credit. There is also space for government to take an equity stake in projects to get a return on investment. At the end of the day, this is an investment in our economy that should grow our wealth as a nation. So the question isn't how we will pay for it, but what we will do with our new shared prosperity. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do we need a sweeping Green Deal investment program? Why can't we just rely on regulations and taxes in the private sector to invest alone? The level of investment required is massive, even with every billionaire and company came together and were willing to pour all the resources at disposal in this investment, the aggregate value of the investment they would make would not be sufficient. So where are you getting the money? The speed of investment required will be massive, even if all billionaires and companies would make the investment required that would not be able to pull together the coordinate response in a narrow window of time required to jumpstart major new projects and major new blah, 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 blah. Simply put, we don't need to just stop doing some things we're doing, like using fossil fuels for energy needs. We also need to start doing new things, like overhauling whole industries or retrofitting all buildings to be energy efficient. Merely incentivizing the private sector doesn't work. The tax incentives and subsidies given to wind and solar projects have been valuable spur to growth in the U.S. renewable industry, but even with such investment promotion subsidies, the present level of such projects is simply inadequate to transition to full greenhouse gas neutral economy as quickly as possible. Once again, we're not saying that there isn't a role for private sector we're just saying that the level investment required will need every f- actor to pitch in and that the government is the best place because we're fucking socialist. Resolution summary. Created in consultation with multiple groups, environmental community, environmental justice community, and labor community. This sounds like the Soviet Union wrote this. Like the USSR. Five goals in 10 years, net zero greenhouse gas emission through a fair and just transition from all communities and workers, create millions of high-wage jobs and ensure prosperity and e- economic security for all, invest in infrastructure and industry sustainment meet the challenges of the 21st century, clean air and water, climate and community resiliency, healthy food, access to nature, and sustainable environment for all, promote justice and equality by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppression of frontline and vulnerable communities. National our economy through 14 infrastructure and industrial projects. Every project strives to remove greenhouse gas emissions and pollution. Build infrastructure to create resiliency against climate change related disaster. Repair and upgrade U.S. infrastructure. ASCE estimates this to be $4.6 trillion at minimum. Meet 100% of power demands through clean and renewable energy. Build energy efficient distrib- distributed smart grids and ensure affordable access to electricity. Upgrade or replace every building in the U.S. or state-of-the-art energy efficiency, massively expand clean manufacturing, work with farmers and ranchers to create a sustainable pollution and greenhouse gas-free food system that ensures universal access to health, healthy food and expands independent family farming, totally overhaul transportation by massively expanding electric vehicle manufacturing, build charging stations everywhere, 
Build out high-speed rail at scale where air travel stops becoming necessary. I guess we're drilling under the ocean. Create affordable public transit availability to all with gold to replace every combustion engine vehicle. Mitigate long-term health effects of climate change. Remove greenhouse gases from our atmosphere and pollution through afforestation, preservation, and other methods. Restore all, all our damaged and threatened ecosystems. Clean up all existing hazardous waste. Identify new mission sources and create solutions. Make the U.S. a leader in addressing climate change and share our technology expertise and products with the rest of the world. Social and economic justice and security through 15 requirements. Massive federal investment assistance and organization and business participating in greenhouse deal. Ensure the environmental and social cost of emissions are taken into account. Provide job training and education for all. Invest in R&D, doing direct investment in frontline and deindustrialized communities. Use democratic and participatory processes led by frontline and vulnerable communities. Ensure that all GND jobs are union jobs. Guarantee a job with family-sustaining wages. Protect rights of all workers to unionize. Strengthen and enforce labor, workforce, health and safety, anti-discrimination and wage and our standards. Enact and enforce trade rules to stop the transfer of jobs and pollution overseas and grow domestic manufacturing. Ensure public lands, water, and oceans are protected. Obtain free, prior, and informed consent of indigenous people to ensure an economic environment, freedom, monopolies, and unfair competition. Provide high-quality, healthy care, housing, economic security, clean air, clean water, healthy food, and nature for all. Twelve minutes took me to read that. That's all word for word. Politico analysis. There's nothing wrong with dreaming impossible dreams. That's how radical change happens, but it's generally best to focus on one impossible dream at a time. He basically says, well, yeah, it's it's a big one, but it's great. It's morally justified. Alex Griswold. Oh, she's actually a secret genius for proposals she immediately memory hold. The Green Deal is relying, relying heavy on specifics. Build charging stations everywhere. Kim Strassel. By the end of the Green Deal resolution, I was laughing so hard I nearly cried. If a bunch of GOPers plotted to forge a fake Democratic bill showing how bonkers the party is, they could have not done a better job. It is beautiful. Once again, Gillibrand, Harris, Warren, Booker, all of them. All of them back this bill. Huffington Post, Republican assault on the new green begins. It's all pounce. To be fair, Huffington Post actually published the piece yesterday as evidence of the Republican assault on new green deal. They cited GOP congressmen who questioned and criticized the proposal during congressional hearings yesterday. Did anybody read the document, somebody asked. Emily Atkins. Nancy Pelosi has officially redirected the fuck you clap. After this document, AOC was not allowed. It was not allowed. And so Eric Holthouse, Nancy Pelosi's a climate denier. Because this, re- this was written by crazies. Just fucking crazies. It's it's the worst thing I've ever seen. If a Republican ever put this up on a website, it would be the laughing stock of the world. 
But when Obama rolls out the ACA website, it's a total failure and it's incomplete and it's all fucked up. We got excuses. And when AOC does it, it's a big dream. David Weagle, I live in a city with public transportation where it's legal to own a car, but not necessary. If you're turning this into they'll take make planes illegal, you're being dishonest in the cause of looking savvy. Stephen Miller, it's an official policy proposal from a sitting member of Congress endorsing by presidential candidates. Not a beauty pageant, beauty pageant answer. Seriously, but not literally. It doesn't actually say get rid of planes. It says no fossil fuels. High-speed rail so planes are obsolete. How else do you want to word it? How? Can we afford the federal thing? This is from an actual professor. Yes, the federal government can afford to buy whatever it is or sell its own currency. She's just saying print more comedy. Or print more comedy. Yeah, same thing. Print more currency. Just print it. We can do it. Megan McArdle. Not making this up. We set a goal to get a net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years. Because we aren't sure we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. I mean, I guess you could read this as a plan to genetically engineer cows so they can no longer pass gas. I mean, who the fuck writes that down? The comedy was instantaneous. And I can't even verify all these people are Republicans. A fart-free chicken in every pot. We have nothing to fear but cow farts themselves. New quality clothing was provided to anyone unwilling to do laundry. Free video games of flat screen TVs for those who are unwilling to work. Everyone gets a free pony. But first you need to file your paperwork at the Pony Allocation Council. Promises soap and other hygiene products to be provided even to those who have no desire to use them. Top bunk at the re-education camp was Federalist Musket. Call me conspicuously white, said free feminine hygiene products for all women, even the ones with penises. Rusty Shackelford will make sure you're not interrupted by immoral capitalist pigs by moving them all to camps where they can concentrate. We'll call them camps of concentration or something. I'll work on it. Using DNA will clone giant pterodactyls to be used in transoceanic flights. No more chemtrails. Two skateboards in every garage, standing in line for lentils and vegetable broth once a week. We're proposing that humans evolve and grow wings. Don't worry about how we're going to do it. It won't hurt. It's a Green New Deal promise. Senate Maisie Hirano, an outspoken Trump opponent. When talked about the air travel, that would be pretty hard for Hawaii how the fuck am I getting out there? You can't dig a tunnel to Hawaii. It's not possible. You're going to have to fly. Mandatory train travel and regulating cow farts. The Green Deal is even crazier than you thought. Daily Wire. Natalie Johnson. The full elimination of nuclear power, even though nuclear power is widely recognized as the most efficient and widely available alternative energy source there is. It is. I mean, just the buildings alone, how are you going to do that? 
How? Plant a lot of trees? Really? Job training and education for all. Union jobs only. The world destroyed it. Federalist. Ban up affordable energy. Eliminate nuclear energy. Eliminate 99% of cars. Gut and rebuild every building in America. Eliminate air travel. The government guaranteed jobs. Free education for life. A salubrious diet. Healthy food, which means you can't eat meat. A house. Everybody gets a house. Ban meat. That's basically what she's saying. Then they literally tried to say everything that people were talking about was faux. It was fake. It wasn't real. It's not the real document. Because of the one thing I talked about, peeing in a bucket. But everybody that was sending it, I checked about 10 different conservative pundits. The people who really jumped on this quick and put it out. And they all have the same document Jerry Dunleavy has. Conservatives attack. Sean McEwen, a progressive activist and co-founder of Data for Progress, insisted the Green, De- New G- Green Deal resolution remains the most ambitious set of green policies that have ever been sent into legislative text, adding that there are a lot of things that are still to be left to be worked out. Later on, he says what her chief of staff says. Don't listen to them fucking stupid Republicans. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. They're making it up. Sacha Chabrata. It's a bullshit. Well, the problem is John Leck, Johansson, Jerry Dunleavy, the world... pointed out that it's her. You can go into the PDF notes and see who created the document. It's her chief of staff. And it was posted by NPR, who's on her side. It's there. But the media, WAPO, CNN, Business Insider, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez accidentally releases a document that supported paying Americans unwilling to work and conservatives have attacked her for it. Accidentally, it was a rollout. The title of the document was Green Deal Rollout. What the fuck? This is your document. This is your crazy shit. But everybody's a dick because we're pointing out that's a shitty document that makes no sense. And saying we're going to refit every house and no air travel and everybody's going to have light rail and a chicken and a free job and everybody's got to be in a union. I mean, what the fuck? Why would you put this out? Nobody who has a political IQ over a peanut would put this out. But this is her. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Can anybody, everyday, well, sorry, can everyday people come together and effectively organize against creeping overreach of one of the world's biggest corporations? Yes, they can. Because Amazon isn't putting jobs, the 25,000 jobs that we're going to, into New York now. Because of this crazy shit. 
I mean, all these liberals pushed out a video of her talking about dark money. So I'm going to play back-to-back the video they pushed. There'll be a space. Then you're going to hear the rest of the video. It's already super legal, as we've seen, for me to be a pretty bad guy. So it's even easier for the President of the United States to be one, I would assume. That's right. Thank you very much. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway. And, um, and I want to get away with as much bad things as possible, ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest, even if that means putting, uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. I have enlisted all of you as my co-conspirators, so you're going to help me legally get away with all of this. So, Mrs. Hobart Flynn, I want to run. If I want to run a campaign that is entirely funded by corporate political action committees, is, that, is there anything that legally prevents me from doing that? No. Okay. So there's nothing stopping me from being entirely funded by corporate PACs, say, from the fossil fuel industry, the healthcare industry, big pharma. I'm entirely 100% lobbyist PAC uh, funded. Okay. So let's say I'm a really, really bad guy. And let's say I have some skeletons in my closet that I need to cover up so that I can get elected. Um, Mr. Smith, is it true that you wrote this article, this opinion piece for the Washington Post entitled, These Payments to Women Were Unseemly, That Doesn't Mean They Were Illegal? Well, I can't see the piece, but I wrote a piece under that headline in the Post, so I assume that's right. Okay, great. So, green light for hush money. I can do all sorts of terrible things. It's totally legal right now for me to pay people off. And that is considered speech. That money is considered speech. So I use my special interest dark money funded campaign to pay off folks that I need to pay off and get elected. So now I'm elected, now I'm in. I've got the power to draft, lobby, and shape the laws that govern the United States of America. Fabulous. Now, is there any hard limit that I have? Perhaps, uh, Mrs. Hobart Flynn, is there any hard limit that I have? in terms of what legislation I'm allowed to touch? Are there any limits on the laws that I can write or influence, especially if I'm uh, based on the uh, special interest funds that I accepted to finance my campaign and get me elected in the first place? There's no limit. So there's none. So I can be totally funded by oil and gas. I can be totally funded by Big Pharma. Come in, write Big Pharma laws, and there's no limits to that whatsoever. That's right. Okay. So, awesome. Now, Now, Mr. Mirabani, the last thing I want to do is get rich with as little work possible. That's really what I'm trying to do as the bad guy, right? So is there anything preventing me from holding stocks, say, in an oil or gas company and then writing laws to deregulate that that industry and cause, you know, that could potentially cause the stock value to soar and accrue a lot of money in that time? You could do that. So I could do that. I could do that now with the way our current laws are are set up. Yes? Yes. Okay, great. Is it possible that any elements of this story apply to our current government and our current public servants right now? Yes. Yes. 
So we have a system that is fundamentally broken. We have these influences existing in this body, which means that these influences are here in this committee shaping the questions that are being asked of you all right now. Would you say that that's correct, yes. Mr. Marabani or Mr. Shaw? Yes. All right. So one last thing, uh, Mr. Schaub, in relation to congressional oversight that we have, the limits that are placed on me as a congresswoman, compared to the executive branch and compared to, say, the president of the United States, would you say that Congress has the same sort of standard of accountability? Are there, is there more teeth in that regulation in Congress on the president, or would you say it's about even or more so on the federal? Um, in terms of laws that apply to the president, mm -hmm. yeah, there's just almost no laws at all that apply to the president. So I'm being held, and every person in this body is being held to a higher ethical standard than the president of the United States. That's right, because there are some committee uh, ethics committee rules that apply to you. And it's already super legal, as we've seen, for me to be a pretty bad guy. So it's even easier for the president of the United States to be one, I would assume. That's right. Thank you very much. Well, I, I would say there are a couple things, for example, that uh, would not be. She answers, is there anything that, that, you know, could apply here? There are certain things that could not apply here. For example, the whole point of the article that she held up that I wrote was that you cannot use your campaign funds to make those kinds of payments. That would right. be illegal personal use. Right. Campaign funds are not dark money. They are totally disclosed, uh, right. so they are not dark money. It's worth noting, by the way, that earlier it was mentioned that dark money constituted about $1.7 billion. I believe that figure is uh, incorrect by a factor of about 500 uh, percent. Dark money constitutes about 2 to 4 percent of the total spending in U.S. elections and has always been involved in U.S. elections. So those are just a couple of points. And I, was, I, was, I, w I did kind of chuckle at the question, uh, is it possible, asked of us, that, that these influences are, this money is influencing the questioning here. To that, I'd say that's something you have to ask yourselves if you're being influenced and see what you think. If you are, you might question yourselves. If you're not, you might question this hearing. So basically, she made it all up, like everything else, like her own Green Deal. Then, while this is going on, a White House reporter from Quartz. This of a male, really Daily Wire reporter, aggressively hounding AOC in Congress basement as she says she's trying to go somewhere on a topic that she has nothing to do with, is creepy and unsettling and a bad look for the press. What she said. Her name is uh, Heather Timmons. The problem is, it was a question about Northam. Northam. It's a normal question. It should be. It's not right now. And she said she knew nothing about the blackface. Because, you know, I, I, I try not to use the phrase because it's penned by Ben Shapiro. But he's spot on. The fresh face. They're so fresh. They're so face. He says it all the time on his show. I chuckle, but then it hit home. It hits home in these times that that's what it's about. These people don't have to know shit. They don't have to be factually correct. 
They can be total anti-Semites. They can now call like Talib is to get rid of or Omar's to calling for the removal of DHS, ICE, all the institutions. She can put out a plan, AOC, that literally calls for the craziest socialist shit from free chicken to you can't have a car, you can't fly, your house has to be redone for solar only, which means all you can do is charge your iPhone now because you're not going to have enough power because that shit ain't cheap. And not have to answer any questions about all the negative stuff. And the media is going to support you because you heard it. Chuck Todd and company, oh, she's so smart and she's so forward-facing is what I like to say all the time. The forward-facing America we need. But if a Republican pulled out this goddamn plan, folks, that's why I read it. It seems monotonous to read that piece of shit to you, and you're like, that's so boring. But their argument is we're making it up. That anybody that criticizes, not conservatives, anybody that criticizes is just making it up. It's word for word. It's a communist manifesto Written by a junior high student. It has no specifics. It's like they just sat in a room and came up with everything they could think of from every band camp they ever went to about climate change. And that's not how you do it in Congress. This is not FDR's New Deal. This is Stalin's New Deal. Where you will be in a breadline. Because they're going to tell you what you're going to eat. What God to worship. This is some communist shit. And they don't even have the balls to back it up. We're going to play out to music break. Tucker. And here is one of her advisors. This is how pathetic they are. They put it out. They don't even know what's in their own document. They're a clusterfuck. And we'll go into news and social media nuggets we ever pay people who are quote unwilling to work uh i we we never would right and, and aoc has never said anything like that right i think you're referring to some sort of a document that some i think some doctored document that somebody other than us has been circulating oh i thought that came right from her that was in the background or from her office is my understanding no no she's actually tweeted it out to laugh at it if you look at her latest tweets it seems that apparently some republicans have put it out there i don't know the oh, well, details good. well then then thank you for correcting me i mean because it, was yeah. like, it seemed a little ridiculous Almost as ridiculous as the idea that we're going to build enough light rail to make airplanes unnecessary, which I think actually is from uh, the I don't, I, I don't know where you got that either, Tucker. I, I actually believe that you're actually on our side about this, if you actually read the actual plan, right? There's nothing about well, getting I rid have. of anything. It's about expanding menu options, right? I mean, there are many, many things we want to be able to do now in addition to what we already do. So, what's, so where's the airplane disappearance coming from? I'm not really clear on where that um, originated. Well, I could actually get it for you. This is that would be great, uh, frequently asked questions that. released by her office. And I'm quoting from it. And yeah, maybe yeah. this maybe this is fraudulent. In which case, I hope you'll correct me. Mm-hmm. But it says that the Green New Deal would, and I'm quoting, totally overhaul trans 
transportation, and that would mean, quote, building out high-speed rail at a scale where air travel would stop becoming necessary. Hawaii Senator, Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono respond to that by saying mm-hmm. that would be hard for Hawaii. So I don't think that's made up. The but senator from no, Hawaii No, 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 but, but I mean, it's, 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 it apparently is being misunderstood, right? We're really talking about expanding optionality here. We're not talking about getting rid of anything, right? We're talking about basically making it cost-effective to move into more modern forms of technology, more...
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. This, this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls and they'll pop your figs. All right, our news and social media nuggets going to get condensed down because this is so long, but I, once again, a lot of shit. Soldier who shot himself in the head appeals army decision to deny benefits. Basically, a 101st soldier, it sounds like he did an AD, and the government said, well, you're a dumbass because you did an AD, which I like to call an NG, which is a or ND, negligent discharge. And the government didn't pay him out because they do a actual investigation on shit like this. If I was drunk, trashed my car, they're not paying for my disability because now I'm paralyzed. It's just the way it works. That happened to a friend of mine. It's fucking horrible. Pentagon ways privatizing military PCS moves. I hope they do it because that'll just really speed up the process. Time away remains top troop military family worry. Uh, they did a huge inventory or interview with 10,000 people, including spouses. And that's still the biggest one because they're still doing a lot of deployments. California is going to be California. They're not kicking out transgenders, even though it's against Army regs. But, you know, fuck it. You know, just like right check, which I didn't go back to that, but I will someday. Uh, you know, when you're a Democrat, you can be a Democrat in uniform. Whereas everybody else, you can't support Trump in uniform. We, we've seen that with our media. Green Beret, last request of being shot. Save the bullet. Great story. Go to task and purpose. I don't have time to read it today, but what a stud. And the Army's new 40 millimeter grenade look round looks like it's straight out of the fifth element. A team of Army researchers have engineered a 40 millimeter grenade round with a net inside to take down unmanned aerial vehicles, which once again, for those that don't know, the M203 has a little tube on the bottom. That is for 40 millimeter grenades. And we shoot grenades, smoke, willy pee, blah, blah, blah. So now they have a net for snatching up the enemy's drones, which would be pretty cool. Um, that's some neat shit. Which brings us in to our college crazy. I'm going to play a, uh, I think this is from Campus Reform. Um... No, PragerU about the Green Deal. It's really funny. So, one of my last sound bites before we get on in. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? And, like, this is the war. This is our World War II. 
carbon emissions are rising and faster than most scientists predicted. But many climate change alarmists seem to claim that all climate change is worse than expected. But the facts don't support this. This does not mean global warming is not real or a problem. But the one-sided story of alarmism makes us lose focus. If we want to help the world's poor, who are the most threatened by natural disasters, it's less about cutting carbon emissions than it is about pulling them out of poverty. The best way to see this is to look at the world's death from natural disasters over time. In the Oxford University database for death rates from floods, extreme temperatures, droughts, and storms, the average in the first part of last century was more than 130 dead every year per million people. Since then, the death rates have dropped 97% to a new low in the 2010s of less than four per million. The dramatic decline is mostly due to economic developments that help nations withstand catastrophes. If you're rich like Florida, a major hurricane might cause plenty of damage to expensive buildings, but it kills few people and causes only a temporary dent in economic output. If a similar hurricane hits a poorer country like the Philippines or Guatemala, it kills many more people and can devastate the economy. So let's be clear: climate change is not worse than we thought. That doesn't mean it's not a reality or not a problem. It is. But the narrative that the world's climate is changing from bad to worse is unhelpful alarmism that prevents us from focusing on smart solutions. A well-meaning environmentalist might argue that because climate change is a reality, why not ramp up the rhetoric and focus on the bad news to make sure the public understands its importance? But that's exactly what we've done for the past twenty years. Stuff is crazy, crazy. The left ruined the Oscars, the Super Bowl. What's next? Great article on MRC, and it goes down and breaks all the crazy shit they've done crazy about Kavanaugh and everything. And then we have this article: suggestive note ban could make for tough love on Valentine's Day. And the University of New Orleans is literally saying, "Don't give love notes." So they ruined Valentine's. That's your answer, MRC. It's right there. University of Penn hosts toxic masculinity summit on Super Bowl weekend. The masculine gender in itself is very performative in certain instances. So creating dialogue and conversation as to what not to do and what's toxic about that performance is impactful to the kind of interactions you have on campus with other people. Wyatt Perez, a student organizer for the event, said it was a whole day about unpacking how evil white people are. Because they're all racist pieces of shit, and they're fuckheads. Great. WKU pays students for service projects, except faith-based. This surprised me. Western Kentucky University. Everybody gets paid for shit for protesting and Kavanaugh and green dealing and all that shit. But if you go do a faith-based ones, they're not supporting it. Religious bigotry is really big on the left right now, and it's just going to get worse. If that Greendale ever goes in, they're going to pick your church, friends. I mean, that's how extreme they are. I'm not being a tinfoil hatter. They are going to regulate how you worship, and I guarantee step one of this ever went to fruition. If some reason in 2020 they win the House, Senate, and the White House, every Christian church. Would lose their tax filing. Catholic Church tax filing. 
You will not be tax exempt. They will punish you. Every 501c that's Christian or Catholic ruined. Muslim? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're good. Stanford student caught trying to steal pro-life students' display. I don't understand the purpose of, like, a public stunt to, like, demean other people's opinions, he said. So he trashed another cross for aborted babies. Hmm. College newspaper says white boys should not be allowed to talk. Period. Pennsylvania College. Yeah. You do not need to speak alone. You speak with the weight of every other white man who has spoken over a woman, erased the contribution of a queer people from history, or denigrated broken English as unintelligible. You speak with the weight of policies and laws meant to forever define intelligence by how it measures up to the bros of America. Wow. That's that's just hard to believe. That 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 was okay. Yeah. That that's okay. You you can do that kind of stuff, but yeah, no. UK mother 38 is arrested in front of her children and locked in a jail for seven hours after calling a transgender woman a man on Twitter. Story goes, she had multiple accounts. Lady kept blocking her. She had disparaged her for being cis-normative, so she went back and just called him sir. No charges were filed, but she was arrested in England for for misgendering. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's okay. That, that's coming to a theater near you. Digi sexuality is stepping out of the closet. Keep an open mind. A second wave of sexual tech is starting to appear, transforming how some people view their very identity and raising the specter of a new kind of stigma. And this article goes on to say it's okay to have internet sex with devices and robots. And wow. We had MAP, now we have Digis, that will be a protected class, but if you're a white Christian, you shut your fucking dirty mouth. You just shut up. This one cracked me up. These grandparents sold gay porn for decades and almost went to prison. Now they're calling it quits. Comes to see that 37 years, Karen and Barry Mason swore sold triple X gay porn. They're straight people. But when they started a, a business, they decided to go for an area that was needed and where they're at, and they were in a gay community, so they started selling all sorts of butt porn, and they made a whole life out of it. But now that the internet's there, and there's, you know, Pornhub, they can't make money anymore, so they're retiring. And it reminds me of a documentary that me and the wife watched once. It was about sex workers, it was an industry, and this one segment was about pornography and it was about gay sex. Now they didn't show anything. It wasn't graphic but um, one of the main people they interviewed was a guy who was straight and I just air quoted but he was a gay porn participant and his wife taught him how to give head. Excuse the reference but you know I guess oral sex would be better. It was just creepy because in my book if you have gay sex or gay I'm sorry or you're bi or whatever you No, if I was gay, I would not have sex with a woman on camera just to make money because that's who you are. But this is what that guy was. So 
Um, the sexuality thing is really becoming a huge wave of articles lately, especially digital sex. It's everywhere. It's, I think they're trying to normalize it. But I'm sorry, you put an electronic device on your wang and have sex with somebody online, that's kind of creepy. It's not sex, it's masturbation, folks. You may be using electric electric means, but it's still masturbation. I, I just don't get it. Here comes an intersectionality fight that was just awesome, and it's in the UK. Intersectionality paradox video at a packed meeting on Sunday. Muslim parents threatened to take their kids out of Parkland, or excuse me, Parkfield Community School in Birmingham because of its promotion of homosexuality. Primary school parents have been protesting over their children being taught about LGBT rights and homophobia. Some parents at Parkfield Community School in Birmingham claim the teaching contradict the Islamic faith. Maryam Ahmad, whose daughter attends a school, has organized a petition against the No Outsider Project. The school said it aimed to educate children so they were able to accept differences in society. Ms. Ahmed said, sorry, at this age it's totally wrong. Children this age don't even know if they're coming or going, let alone knowing what sexual orientation they will become. Asma and Mohammed Jawad of Tawai added, it's good to teach children about the respect and values, but the sexual orientation aspect is against our principles. And so the No Outsider Project is that parents should be teaching this in grade school. Once again, this is happening in America. You just don't hear about it. Because nobody wants to disparage Muslims on the left. And the media is the left. They throw gay people off roofs. They stone them. They execute them. Covered it on the show. It's no secret to anybody who doesn't live in the, the bubble that a lot of religions other than Christianity are against gay teaching. But in America, you're only going to hear about, you know, Vice President Pence and his wife. Or poor Chris Pratt who goes to a church that doesn't have gay marriages. There's very few religions in the world that recognize homosexuality. But not doing gay marriages, allowing them to come in the church if they want to, we don't stop them from coming, is now the new Matthew Shepard. You might as well just go drag him behind a truck and strap him to a fence. Oh, that was fake too. Oh, okay. Yeah. 14 years after becoming transgender, teacher says it was a mistake. Whole story about Herb McCaffrey, who went to Cary and then went back to Herb. And it's chock full of that 80% again. 80% say, fuck that. That ain't right. But it didn't stop Inan Omar. Says it's a myth that transgender women have an advantage over biological women in powerlifting. She's asking the sports to lift its ban. According to the Daily Caller, Omar isn't just asking a sport to lift his ban on transgender women. She's recommending that Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison investigate U.S. powerlifting for barring biological males from women's events. So it's a myth. Because once again, as we've talked numerous times, facts don't matter. The whole scientific community would say men are stronger than women. 
but not, I guess, for liberals. It just doesn't work. It's just a myth. Okay. Planned Parenthood plans for abortion up to birth in every state is called Care for All. It's already out there. I have a good soundbite I'll play at the end of a PPF doctor attacking a pro-life person who was protesting. I'll save it for later. But um, yeah, they already had a plan all along. They called Care for All. But it's not happening, remember? It's very infrequent. 1%. Less than 1%. Only 3% of our business is abortion. Yeah, your numbers never work. Twitter CEO Dorsey, we can't afford to be neutral anymore. And he had a whole article that, you know, he needs to uh, just go liberal. So, I mean, at least he's admitting that's what they're doing. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's not like it's a secret. Traditional San Jose movie theater opens virtual reality attraction. You go in, you get, you bring your own or they issue you virtual, virtual reality goggles with these white things so you can put them on your face so you don't have somebody else. It's kind of like the panty liner for a swimming suit. If you've ever watched your wife, you know, go try on swimming suits, which I unfortunately had to do once. And you watch the whole movie in virtual reality. It's kind of neat. But then a new study says sitting in front of TV for two hours a day raises your risk of bowel cancer by 70%. Study looked at sedentary behaviors of nearly 90,000 U.S. women. Two hours a day was associated with 70% increase compared to less than that if you weren't sitting as much. Every night I sit more than two hours watching TV, so I guess I'm getting bowel cancer. NASA's real Wall-E mysteriously disappears after Mars flyby, and the sister spacecraft Eve is missing too. The mission was over, but they just disappeared. Which makes me think, why did they disappear? Hmm. Uh, Engineer... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing. Is it a sign? Wooden, wood, a huge wooden cross washes ashore on Fort Lauderdale Beach. This article goes bales of drugs, derelict vessels, seaweed, whales, and driftwood. And now a gigantic intact cross and nobody knows where it came from. And Smolinski, who was visiting from Michigan, said it's amazing, it's spiritual. And yes, it is a sign. To our law stuff, because we're in that section where we used to do crime. Welcome to California, land of a thousand new laws just this year. And I put it in here because that is where we're going. The left is going to go back to just laws and regulations. And they're going to make you do what they want you to do. It's, It's pretty severe. And our last thing before we go to our lighter fare, which will start up with... Jesus, this was featured on CNN. This is literally uh, Cuomo and Lemon jerking each other off like they do every night as they do their show Passover. And this was about a fundraising email. Now, you know, I I may be petty on my little podcast and talk about certain ones like during the Kavanaugh because they're just egregious. You know what I mean? You're the ones talking about we shouldn't be talking about these poor women that were sexually harassed. We shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't do that. But you're blasting like Warren emails every session trying to make money for your campaign on the back of somebody 
who was lying, but you're saying was sexually harassed. I mean, that's pretty fucking vile. Well, they mock something from Trump, but, you know. As of this session, to get back to the point, there is no update on Jesse Smollett. They have searched everything. They checked surveillances of the video, and that was the last thing we heard three days ago. Because the more I'm reading for people from the Chicago area, it looks just like I said. The whole mega country bleach rope is a hoax. It's just a hoax. It's a lie. And he still won't give up his phone. So that pretty much tells you. Once again, just like Covington Catholic, our media ran with a lie. So, here's Lemon and Cuomo giving each other a dry hump. So, uh, just a day after the President's State of the Union address where he said we must all choose to be better and to unify for the country, he sent me a note asking what I thought about his speech. Here's the official poll. Now, perhaps you thought it was good maybe even great, or better yet, historic. Well, I hope it's one of those, because those are your only choices. If you thought it was anything else, you're out of luck, because that's all the president wants to know, as you can see here in question one. Let's bring in D. Lemon. Good, great, Hang or historic? Hang on. I'm marking my ballot here so I can send it in. Um. I love that this got sent to me. Chris. We need your help. And then he says, do you believe Democrats only say they don't want a wall to harass our great president? Uh, yes. Presidential no, harassment. No opinion. Do you believe Democrats should celebrate our great success instead of obstructing it? Yes. No. No opinion. No opinion. It's multiple choice. It's, it's how I got through college. <laughs> <laughs> the day after, he says, no more petty politics, no more poisonous, you know, personal politics. Let's unify. That's yeah. what they send out. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting. How do you think I did an honest assessment? I, I mean, it should be an honest assessment. It's not. No, those, none of those things is ever honest. What those, you know. No, it's propaganda. Come out. It's, yeah. And then the next day... Um, there will be a fundraising thing that will come out. I have one like that that I got from the First Lady, and I keep it. I said, look, I got a letter from the First Lady. <laughs> and I show it to everybody, but I don't, I don't even know what's inside it. I never you know, Kellyanne. Our next lighter fare is Cardi B. And I heard this, like, right when it happened, somebody retweeted it. And I just want you to remember while you're listening to this whole thing. This woman is in love with Harris, that Nayaya lady who fucking threatened a teenage boy, AOC, and it kind of, it always pairs up well with liberals. You know, I hate conservatives because I've been told to hate conservatives, especially my person of color, Gotta hate them because they're racist. I'm rich. And yeah, 90% taxation is okie dokie. But then you go out and put this video online. 
know what I hate? I hate when celebrities do something very extravagant, buy something very luxurious. There's people in the comments like, you could have donated that. Oh, we going backwards. You could have done this and that with your money. And it's like, who are you to tell people what to do with their hardworking ass money? First of all, do you know that artists, celebrities, the IRS, out of every check that you make, they automatically take 45% of your check. That means in order to spend 500000 you got to make at least a million. Then like an artist like me and a lot of uh, rappers that I know, they literally take care of their whole family. And that's not tax reductible because the IRS don't consider that a business. On top of that, being an artist, looking good for y'all, doing all this extra shit to please y'all, that shit costs money. Like me, for example, my bills is like, I'll say about 300000 250000 every single month. And I try to put it cheaper and it's just, it's not. So... Right, so you know the government is taking 40% of my taxes and uncle sam i want to know what you're doing with my fucking tax money because you know what i'm saying like when you donate like when you donate to a kid from a foreign country they give you updates of what they doing with your donation i want to know what you're doing with my fucking tax money because i'm from new york and the streets is always dirty we was voted the dirtiest city in america what is y'all doing there's still rats on the damn trains i know y'all not spending it in no damn prison because y'all be giving niggas like two underwears one jumpsuit for like five months so what is y'all niggas doing with my fucking money what is y'all doing with my fucking money i want to know i want receipts i want everything i want to know what y'all niggas doing with my fucking money what is y'all niggas doing with my fucking money uncle sam i want to know what the fuck you doing with my motherfucking money wow you spending 300k to get your face good done you must have a fucked up face yo i'm just saying it so anyway i had so many more sound bites i excuse you know i, I talked to my my bro, Matt in Oregon, and I'm trying to downsize this because I know it's been so long. Uh, but this one was just used and it just got away. There there was probably another 30 minutes of sound bites I dumped. Um, and I'll push a black liberal talking about Northam, which I'm fucking believable. It's, this guy is the biggest race hustler in the world, but you won't believe what he said. And I'll start the next podcast with... The PPFA guy attacking a pro-life guy because, you know, we're just, we're out of time. My last article, um, look up Christine Michelle. Um, Christine Michelle was the person who decided she was going to do Trump's inauguration. She's now out of work because Hollywood and the left pushed her out because she didn't toe the line, which I think is the theme of this show. You know, we spend a lot of time on this podcast, or I do. Talking about hypocrisy, talking about media bias, talking about the left as the biggest fascists in the world, how they over-accentuate every Republican fuck-up, but they ignore and turn a blind eye to Democratic fuck-ups. And then you have a week like this, and this entire podcast down to the Green Deal shows we have two different standards. That the media doesn't criticize Democrats. The media won't even say, what the fuck? Nobody in Virginia is going to lose their job? Or say, what the fuck? Threatening the president's probably really wrong and you shouldn't have a job at the Atlantic, Jamel Hill? Or what the fuck? Who wrote this document, AOC? 
when the leader of the Democratic Party goes, oh, f- 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 fuck, no, I ain't have shit to do with that. What does that say? Yet I will guarantee Brian Seltzer won't touch any of it this weekend. I guarantee Chuck Todd just glowingly talked about the Green Deal, excused away all the fuck-ups, and then it's the morally right thing to do, that somehow this Monday, Chris Cuomo and frickin' Lemon will jerk each other off under the table again and say it's morally right. It's good to have these big dreams because, you know, we are shooting for the moon and fighting Nazis, which are Trump and his supporters. Yet, as any adult would say, this would never be acceptable if it was conservatives. And that's why I do a podcast. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family, friends, send comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, podcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Our next podcast is going to be the 14th Valentine's Day in the morning, because my wife will be working. Um, flowers and shit will be showing up to her work. She doesn't know that, but I've already covered the bases on that. But um, I'll do it the 14th, because uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm heading out of town doing some junking. Um, I did get one email this week. I was going to cover it on the back end just to explain some stuff. I do listen to Shapiro. I listen to Matt Walsh, and I listen to uh, John Gibson. But understand, my segments I'm making as the week goes on. So, my hand to God, as a religious person, everything you heard, I'd already put together. And it may be similar, you know, some rando sent me an email that, you you just sound like a a Ben Shapiro wannabe. No. Yeah, I would like to be Ben Shapiro. Sure I would. I mean, he's fucking got the largest podcast in America right now. I'd give my left nut to be the largest mob podcast. But the problem with that is I couldn't say left nut. I mean, let's be honest. You couldn't say that. But um, I am putting mine today. I already started for the next podcast. I grab articles. I glean stuff. I grab sound bites. Yes, I'm more sound bite centric and they're longer. But that's because I don't want anybody to come back and say context. You know, a lot of places will play Cardi B's short thing. I played the whole video. I want you also to be able to go, well, what the fuck? And yes, reading the whole Green Deal, nobody did that. I already had it. I already had it on my podcast, on the script. And then I listened to uh, John Gibson and I listened to uh, Ben Shapiro. They hit bullet points because they have an hour and a half. I read the whole thing. My intent is, if I do full form and I put a little more information that's really needed and a little longer sound bites than just the gotchas, A, I'm not being a Democrat and parsing things like they do with all Mexicans are murderers and rapists, which was never said. And B, you have the ammo to have those arguments at the water cooler. That No, 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 no. I listen to podcasts. I listen to the whole fucking soundtrack. Everything they said, I heard it. Or I, ha- I, I have read or heard on a podcast the entire Green Deal. And it did say cow farts. And it did say elimination of air travel. And it did say all fossil fuels. Which means everything from your fucking lawnmower to your chainsaw you can't use anymore. And I haven't figured out how I'm going to mow my lawn with a solar-powered John Deere rider. I just don't see it working. 
And I don't understand how you could put this out if you're not a liberal nutball job. I mean, you're just a nut job. Even my bro in Oregon who lives in a totally green fucking crazy state. And everybody I know in Oregon. The commute will kill you. How are you going to get around? Everybody has to live 50 miles away from their job at least because there's no place to live close because it's just houses on top of houses on top of houses. You're going to commute from fucking Tualatin to get to fucking Portland and work because there's no houses in Portland. I mean, the fact is, everybody commutes unless you live in New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, and you have high-rises built to the roof. Nobody has that. Nobody wants that. Except for people who want to live there. And that's your right as Americans. Hey, I have said it. I would give my left nut to go buy a a month-long subway pass, just like I did in Korea. But it's not practical, and it won't be practical for any rural area around place. They're not going to put a train from Clarksville to Dover. They're not going to put a train from Clarksville to Nashville. They're not doing it. They're trying a rail system from Murfreesboro, and nobody fucking rides it. And then you look at people's lifestyle. How the fuck am I going to go fishing? Are you going to have, can I just pull my boat on? I mean, seriously. How do I go fishing without a vehicle? How do I go camping? And how much is it going to cost me to ride the train to go visit my bro in Oregon? Because to pay for things, it's going to have to be pretty fucking expensive to have a solar plane or excuse me, a solar train that's going to get me to Oregon in five hours. I'm just assuming that's an astronomical price because you took nuclear off the table. I, I've researched things, folks. You take nuclear off the table, I don't know how you do this. A nuclear train, I would get it. A nuclear plane, I'd get that too. A nuclear car, a hydrogen car that's safe. Sign me the fuck up. But battery technology is not going to exponentially increase in 10 years. So you can run trains, airplanes, buses, bass fishing boats. It's not going to work. I get six hours on a brand new battery on my trolling motor, folks. It's a lot of power. Sure, my depth finder's on, and there's lights occasionally, but six hours, and then it's degraded. How are you going to take a boat 10 miles away from the dock and go fishing? We don't have the technology. That's why all of them are at 140, 150, 160, best case scenario. And most people, even my daughter, who's a green person, they bought a car with gas. They live in North Dakota. It's negative 7 billion up there. The battery's dying the moment you unhook it. It's called cold, dipshit. I mean, these are irrational things. And if it was just Green Deal, and I'll finish my vent because I was supposed to be closing out, but if this was a Green Deal, what's it got to do with unions and Everybody gets a job even if they don't want to work. Everybody has a house. Everybody has fuel. Everybody has food. Everybody, everybody. Th- that's not a green deal. 
Social justice? What the fuck's that got to do with fucking energy, bitch? Not AOC, bitch, but just figure speech, bitch. Seriously, folks. That was a communist manifesto, but like everything else they put out. And if you really think America's in on that, then why the fuck doesn't anybody drive green cars? Why doesn't anybody put money into it? Because Obama already did it and they all failed. Solyndra ring a bell? Tesla ring a bell? It all failed. Nobody wants them. And if they buy them, it's a fucking $60,000, $70,000 car. You don't know America. You don't know where Americans live. And you write that document, it just fulfills the name of this podcast, Fly Over Politic Podcast. You wrote something that is totally not applicable for everybody in the middle of the country who needs fossil fuels for electricity, to commute, etc. And who eat off the commute, the trucks, the things. It your plan is made by people who don't live in the real world and realize even that little fucking whatever the fuck they call them, kiosk or whatever the fuck, little grocery stores you have in New York. It took a fucking semi-truck to get all that crap in there, folks. It wasn't brought in by pack mules. And your coffee at Starbucks wasn't humped down by Juan motherfucking Valdez and his donkey. It took energy to get it there. And just the simple banana analogy, that's why I did it and... I put it into tweets of the day for this very moment. Eat a banana that takes all sorts of money to get to America because we don't fucking grow bananas, you dipshit. And put some peanut butter on it so you can kill the next kid next to you. She doesn't know that. She ain't got kids. She's an idiot. We have elected idiots. And when you call them idiots, you're a sexist, racist piece of shit. Checkmate. It's the world we live in, and it's really fucking stupid. So, I already closed out the show, yet I ran for another 12 more minutes. It's Sunday. (laughs) I'm sorry for that. As always, folks, thanks for listening. Talk to you Thursday. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Make sure to check out our webpage at FOP. P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Until next time, remember it's a short ride. Make every day count. <laughs>